Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. Time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul. For a chance to receive his mark associated with uh, everything that uh, you put us through, and it's meant for the greater good of our walk in Christ. And it's hard sometimes to look at the things that we are challenged with in our lives and to be able to equate them back to the Scripture, but it, the Scripture is clear that these things benefit us. And um, and we are, these trials and tribulations, these difficulties, these refiner fire events that are taking place in our lives, the, particularly, particularly for those of us who are in the workplace. Um, I never imagined ever uh, things to be as challenging and difficult as they are, but what a blessing it is to be able to have a job uh, as we're seeing so many um, untold numbers of people losing their livelihood, losing their jobs, becoming homeless with families uh, across the world, and uh, the fulfillment, really, uh, the realization of the third seal as it unfolds before us, having no idea exactly where any of us are going to end up as things progress. Uh, But we just put all of our trust in your hands, Father. We commit ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will, whatever you may do. We thank you. We praise your holy name. We praise you, Jesus. It is very difficult. You know it. You know our hearts. We're not going to hide it from you. We're not going to have internal sin. Uh, and pretend like it's not challenging and like sometimes we're not befuddled why we're having to go through the things that we we are going through. But we do trust in your word. We do believe that it is for our greater good. And we promise that we will continue to fight the good fight. We will continue to do what it is we need to be able to do. We will go for that crown uh, no matter what it takes. And we want to be at the ready to serve you you um, uh, in any capacity that you see fit, Father God, because we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, uh, 
Sometimes it feels like we can barely squeak it out, uh, but but yes, we do, and we praise your holy name, and thank you for bringing us to a new place in our walk every week, a little bit further, a little bit further, uh, uh, really through the sanctification process, and we give you all the glory and honor and praise. Father, we know that not every one of us is going through the same journey. We don't understand why the deltas are in place as they are. Only you do, and we give you praise for that no matter what. Okay, Father, we thank you. We praise your holy name for the days that we're in right now. We praise you, Father God, for the election process. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to even be able to elect uh, that which we have, even without our own understanding. And we we just want to just lay ourselves down and, and give ourselves, you know, completely into your hands, to commit ourselves into your hands, into the hands of our Lord Jesus, to commit ourselves wholeheartedly uh, into that which you have designed for us and written in our books since before there was time. In the name of Jesus, we pray and thank you, Father God, forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So um, if anybody has a name of a doggy treat rehab facility or perhaps some doggy treat, um, I don't know what you, uh, you know, maybe some kind of a uh, way that I can wean my dogs off of this incessant desire and um, these laser eyes. They they gang up on me. They stand at attention beside me and they and both of them at the same time stare at me with these laser eyes and they won't stop. It drives me nuts. I'm trying to do client interviews. I'm trying to get things together for the job. I'm trying to keep up with things. I got to get ready for the program. I got people bugging me from all different, I mean, my goodness, walks of life, different parts of my, oh my gosh, it's absolutely insane. And then I got two dogs 
staring me down for another round of doggy treats when they just had some. So obviously they need some doggy treat rehabilitation, and I don't know where to turn to. I don't know who to call. I can't go to the vet and say, well, they, they want dog treats too many times. Don't you have a doggy treat, you know, weaning pill or something? But if you know anything I can do to wean my dogs off of this constant doggy treat thing that they got going on where they won't let me alone. I can give them the best uh, big old pig's ears, gigantic ones, you know, the ones that are like a buck sixty-five a piece or more nowadays. But anyway, thought I'd throw that out there. So um, today is a 20-hour workday for me if I include the radio show. Been up since 4 a.m. I will be up till 11. You can do the math. Praise God. No time to eat. No dinner. No nothing. Uh, and that's just how it is. No, wait a minute. I, I will take this back. I did scramble and run down the stairs between interviews with a client, a $14 billion client, uh, which, by the way, interestingly, some of the people that I'm interviewing are awake and aware to all the things. I don't want to say all, but the vast majority, you know, uh, uh, I mean, the one guy I was talking to today, he was like, uh-oh, we better not go into the conspiracy stuff because we'll be up till 12 midnight. And I was like, no, we'll be up until 4 a.m. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Because that was the truth. Uh, anyway, so a lot of people are awakening away. A lot, lot more people are awakening, uh, waking up, which is really a wonderful thing, very encouraging. I'm seeing that happening everywhere. Um, and, um, and that's exactly what God wanted. Um, you know, maybe you're not seeing it and that's okay. Well, we don't all have the same exposure, um, to life, to the things that are happening across the world in different countries and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that's a plus or a minus or anything, but what, what it, I, I guess from a Jesus uh, rising up of more people who might be eventually qualified to participate in the final harvest and the things that are going to be uh, manifest in, in the very you know darkest of times that are upon us as they get worse, um, uh, and increasing the numbers of Christ soldiers, you know, um, those who touch other people's lives and give them hope, um, from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's really absolutely amazing, and and of course, unfortunately, what I'd what I'd really like to talk about Jesus when I'm finding out that my clients are awake and aware to Planet X and catastrophic climate change, that it's not global warming, and then all these other things. I really want to bring the Lord into it, but the problem is, you can cross that line in your profession in such a manner that you're well, you don't have a profession anymore. But I don't think anybody out there's uh, surprised about that. So I'm trying to apply some wisdom, uh, you know, uh, when, when I have the opportunity that, it, you know, when God presents the opportunity for me to be able to, you know, uh, hey, this person knows this, this person knows that, so I can weave in the Bible part, um, that's awesome. And I love it. But that's the kind of thing that usually happens with uh, a waitress or, or some people in a restaurant or whatever the case is. And, you know, that. but I, it's definitely not something you want to bring, bring up during an interview with a $14 billion company. Um, now, if it comes up, which it has with uh, companies of similar size and complexity and such, it has in the past, then if that person starts to bring it up, then uh, the door is open and then, you know, it's a free-for-all and praise God for that. But, yeah, the, the amount of people that are waking up out there is astonishing. It really is. Um, and, of course, for many of us, it troubles us still, nevertheless, for those who are awake and aware to the, you know, 
cataclysmic events, the World Economic Forum, the CBDCs, all that kind of stuff. It's troubling, you know, if we think or our hunches that they don't or haven't equated it back to the Holy Bible, which many haven't. Um, uh, actually, a huge number ha- has not, or at least it appears they haven't. Um, then you know it, it is it, it's troubling, um, and so uh, you know we we want to be able to reach people even if we do it you know clandestinely, slyly, you know wisely. Like I have an, uh, my, the tagline on my email: "Fishermen don't bang gongs to to catch fish; they wisely bait their hooks and capture the imagination of the fish, which is what we ought to be doing." Um, and when you do do that, um, it, 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 you know, you, you gotta be careful, you know, you know, you put a little bit of bait on there you see if the fish nibble on it, if they don't bite on the hook or you don't, you know, that you you gotta watch yourself because if you get too, you know, if you get too aggressive trying to catch a fish, the fish is going to swim away. They're going to break the line and make a run for it. Even when you're trying to reel in a marlin, or and I'm not even. I just watch. You know, I've just watched. Uh, you know, enough stuff out there to see how it's done and to pay attention to the. You know, the details. But even when you're reeling in like a. You know, a big fish like a marlin or whatever. Um, you know, you you can't pull too hard. You know, it's it's a. Um, there's a skill associated, you know, with being a fisherman, which I find is really interesting because, you know, isn't it fascinating that Jesus chose um, so many fishermen ultimately to become part of his apostles, which, you know, it just speaks volumes uh, from a typology standpoint, typology meaning, you know, type. Um, fishermen are essentially what we are. It even says in the book of Jude, it says, and some save with uh, compassion, knowing the difference supposed to you know know the difference uh between the type of personality that we're dealing with and whether or not they need to be saved with compassion versus saving them from the fire uh you know uh, uh hating even the garment de- defiled by the the flesh so um yeah there there's it, it it does require some wisdom and unfortunately not all of the members of the body of Christ have that wisdom uh some of us do bang gongs to try to catch the fish and unfortunately it it doesn't bear fruit um, I try my best to be cognizant of that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose my ability to be able to touch people's lives with this radio show because it's a domino effect, right? So anyway, um, and I think I think the vast majority of, you know, the majority of people that listen to this program or have endured all of my, um, I don't know what you call it, ranting, raving, uh, you know, uh, don't know what the right word is. I won't uh, claim that I've gotten 100% or hit the ball out of the park. I, I think that God has been very generous to me. Um, I think that God has confirmed an awful lot of things that the Lord has shown me over the years. I can I can say this without worrying about a lightning bolt coming down from heaven and sending me straight to hell, that um, the things that God showed me, he showed me because he told me to get out of the church. Because he told me to, st- to flush everything down the commode, essentially. He says, whatever you learn so far in the church, get rid of it. Um, Now, I knew that he didn't mean, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the stuff that's in the Bible, but I also knew that he meant the teachings. And I also knew that he he meant very clearly that I wasn't supposed to be listening to, following other Bible teachers. Even if they're doing wonderful and great things, I still was told not to do it. And it, it doesn't mean that they're not doing wonderful and great things. It's just that was my instruction, so that is what I'm doing. So I praise God for that because anything that the Lord has given to me, right, wrong, margin of error, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> excuse me, 
It's uniquely between me and the Lord, and it is my responsibility as part of the body of Jesus Christ to share it with you. Now, I always, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, have a disclaimer that is I know that we all see through through the mirror dimly. I know that we all prophesy in part. I get all that stuff. First uh, Corinthians 8, 2. You know, if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know. Okay, I, I firmly believe that with all of my heart. And I know that I will always have to revise things because – and I don't have time. You know, today being a 20-hour day, I didn't have time for any real dinner. I mean, the only thing I had was a cheese omelet. And it had less than two ounces of uh, Velveeta cheese and, th- and four eggs. Um, I did have uh, some Vienna sausages with hot sauce on it. But that's it. N- nothing else. Um, no time. Just simply that. No time. Uh, praise God. But, you know, because, you know, I got my priorities. Um, those priorities include, you know, especially if it's, you know, because every single day, I feel very compelled to check, like I said, my finely tuned Twitter feed to see, because I have discovered, for whatever reason, I don't know why, it is what it is, and I'm just rocking and rolling with the changes, praise God. But I have noticed that God gives me data that isn't available to anywhere else. And in fact, there was some information that was given to me on my finely tuned Twitter feed uh, this morning that has not been confirmed at all. So, you know, most people out there, I won't say most people, but a lot of people out there who, for whatever reason, they are very passionate about confirming things. They're very, for whatever reason, that's just part of their makeup. We're all part of the, you know, I'm not like that. Okay. I, I know that I can be duped, but I'm also very happy to eat crow. Um, and, uh, and that's fine with me. And if anybody doesn't like it, tough bananas, shut off your doggone computer and stop listening for crying out loud. I don't care. The reason why this is a broadcast is because I don't care. Okay. I'm doing what God has instructed me to do. I do care for you. I do pray for every single listener of this program, but you know what? If I got myself bent out of shape over every time somebody disagreed with me, I would have stopped doing this 12 years ago. Thank you, Jesus. I've had to block more people in my Gmail because they're snarky, mean, and and unbelievably horrible and nasty, and they all call themselves Christians. Praise God. Uh, One thing that I've learned is the most demon-possessed group of people in the entire world are Christians. Hallelujah. And I learned that even when I was taking spiritual warfare training from Bob Larson and different other uh, groups out there uh, for years and years and years. It is just the way it is. It's one of the reasons why, you know, Jesus said to Peter, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, but I'm not going to get into all that. That's a whole other study, uh, you know, and um, and there's no way I can possibly convey to the listeners of this program that which I've been put through, the things that I've learned experientially, the training that I've taken for years and years and years, the, the hundreds of documentaries, untold number of books, untold number of white papers, all the things that, you know, I it, it, there's no way. I can't convey it. There's not a testimony that is long enough that anybody would listen to anyway that I could transfer what has been given to me. I can take bits and pieces out of it at the right time as the Lord leads, but that's the best I can do. And I'm not saying I'm not anybody special because I'm not. I was just explaining to one of the listeners of the program that helps me out with things, uh, you know, that, I, you know, it, for me, I'm just I'm working, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, trying to achieve getting that crown, like the Apostle Paul said, you know, uh, using his analogy of, uh, you know, 
a fighter fights or whatever, you know, and competes for the crown uh, in, in the ways that he described. And I'm not, like I said, I'm, that's not what I'm here to talk about, but I'm just saying that for me, I'm really just trying to pull even. I've made so many mistakes that I would like to hope, and I'm going to continue to hope, that I will make the barley harvest. I will. I believe it, and I'm going to keep on praying. I would like to believe it. I I do believe it. I'm going to stand on it. But at the same time, I also humbly recognize that I might not. And I think that's a healthy place to be. Um, You know, that's the contrite spirit, the tax collector versus the Pharisee. I don't want to have any presumptuous sin in my life, and I know I'm unqualified. All right. So at the end of the day, there's nobody that I know that is less qualified to be chosen, not just called, uh, than me. So when I say, in all honesty, that I am trying to pull even, hopefully, in the merit and demerit system associated with inheritance and rewards in heaven, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Okay, there's no puffed upness in this guy. I don't have it. It might sound like it to you, but it isn't there. Okay, I, I, I've taken his, you know, believe me, more spankings, more things have gone awry, sideways, and horrific in my life than most Christians would be able to withstand. It's just that. I don't even know. It's, I'm, I'm a walking miracle in that regard. Now, all that being said, um, it's neither here nor there. It doesn't make me good, bad, you know, really. It, it's not about me. It's about us. Okay, we're all in this together. And whether or not you are retired, whether or not you are, it doesn't matter. We're all in this together. The CBDCs are coming after you. I don't care how big and fat your retirement pension is. It don't matter. We, we have come to a place in the end times right now where equilibrium has set in. So while I'm going through 20-hour days rushing downstairs to grab 10 minutes to make myself an omelet real quick and still hanging in there doing these programs – even though, really, you know, believe me, more than once, you can imagine, I'm probably thinking to myself, boy, I really feel like canceling that show. I sure could use a little bit of extra rest, but you know what? I won't. I mean, th- there are times when I have, and there are times when I probably will in the future, because I am just so burned out, I can't keep on going. And I have promised myself and the Lord in prayer, in tears, that if I have reached that point, I'm pulling the plug on the show. Because I'm not, you know, and that's just how it is. Now, I didn't feel that way today, but I am definitely burned out. All right. Now, all that being said, praise God, it is what it is. And uh, I am who I am. And I don't know. I am what I am. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it but but, you know, um, like that old saying is, you know, that some of us even have signs in our house. It, it is what it is. You know, we can't figure out why God put us in any situation that we're in, it's not for us to know. It's for us to endure. It's for us to overcome. It's for us to recognize as being refiner's fire. It's for us to recognize, hopefully, whether or not it's the difference between chastening and refiner's fire. And it's for us to overcome. And that overcome is accomplished by praise. It is overcome by accomplished by, 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 by trust, by prayer, but mostly praise. Mostly praise. Pray, prayer without praise is actually 
it isn't where it needs to be. I mean, I'm just here to tell you that. I mean, that's a fact. Okay, if you don't have a lot of praise intermingled with your prayer, then your prayer is, uh, you know, needs a little bit of work. Uh, but anyway, all that being said, um, you know, I have done everything that I can and I know how to do with the energy that I have left after any given day uh, to, to try my best because that's all I can do. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, if anybody would have told me that I was going to be at this 12 years later, age 61, for real, honestly, aching, you know, anybody who understands, you know, when you work a sedentary job for 12 years, I mean, you know, with the pandemic, I haven't even been going through airports. You know, I, I, I discovered that, uh, I don't even know what the uh, tendon is, but there's a tendon that goes up the back of your leg. And if you sit too long at your job, it shortens. And then you get all kinds of back problems, and you can hardly walk, and all kinds of problems. So then I, I don't know, the Lord, I guess, revealed to me this stuff. I started looking into it, and uh, I found this stretching thing that I could stretch my leg, and it has helped 100%. Praise God for that, because I was getting worried. I was getting, I was thinking I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be crippled. I really, really thought that with my job and all the world dynamics in play and these 20-hour days sitting in the same chair, you know, I mean, this desk chair is only rated at like eight hours a day. And that's a great rating, by the way. But anyway, um, uh, so anyway, it's not – I just – want you to all to know for those of you who are challenged suffering husbands cheating on you um family sticking a middle finger up at you you know all kinds of being called evil names uh people that you've tried to touch or get through to look please we're all in this together the really when i think about it about the only thing that's different between you all and me really is our financial situation okay and um and i'm not going to comment on that that's between you and the lord i will tell you this i know what the bible says and i know it really well and when i talk about the bible quite frankly i don't care all that much about the old testament god shows me what i need to know through the old testament some people specialize in it good for them all right what i need what i think all of us need to know better than anything is the new covenant the new covenant, all right? And I, I fear, at, well, no, I know with all of my heart, I know it beyond any shadow of a doubt, that the vast majority of Christians do not know the new covenant. They don't. Uh, and they've been mistrained on it if they go to church. So anyway, all that being said, um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a good thing. You know, it's, I, used to, I don't want to see a blessing and a curse because I hate the word curse. Uh, it's a blessing and a burden to know what all of us know. So whether or not you're, you're, you're living off of a fixed – they call it a fixed income, and I don't understand that concept because people who are working in the workplace are also living on a fixed income. It might be larger, but that's – you know if we're, if we're doing the right Christianly things, if we're doing what we are commanded to do in the Holy Bible, uh, you know it might look larger on the paycheck, but in reality it's probably not all that much larger if we're really living a proper Christian life, right? So, um, uh, you know, so anyway, it, it, you know, um, it, I just want to, to convey to the listeners that uh, this isn't about complaining and moaning and groaning. This is about equilibrium. It's about 
helping us to all understand that we're in the, we're in this together, regardless of whether or not you're retired, regardless of whether or not you're 80 or you're 61 or you're 30. It really is irrelevant. We're all in this together. There are different life dynamics that are associated with the challenges of the walk, of course. Um, you know where we live. You know if you live in Missoula, Montana. If you live in Saskatchewan, you're going to have a different dynamic than you're going to have if you live in New York City. It doesn't matter. This is where God has sprinkled us all around. We all have a job to do. We all should be seeking God with all of our heart. There are going to be different dynamics that are in play. All of us are going to have those different dynamics. But at the end of the day, our jobs are all essentially the same. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And you know what? I'm here to tell you, if you think for one nanosecond that I get any teensy weensy little bump up because I got a radio show and you're not on a radio show, then let me tell you something. You got it wrong. You got it upside down. That is absolutely not how the Bible works. It is not how the kingdom of God works. You got it wrong. You are upside down. The last will be first and the first will be last. You know, as a matter of fact, James even said, the brother of Jesus even said, I would not want for many of you to be teachers because don't you know that we receive a stricter judgment? So by virtue of having a microphone in the first place, and I don't care if it's over YouTube or whatever, it it doesn't matter. You are a teacher, and you will be, be held uh, more accountable, and you will get a stricter judgment. You don't think that keeps me up at night sometimes? No, well, lately it hasn't because I've surrendered to, <laughs> to it. And like I said, I'm just trying to – right now, I think a lot of us are just at a place right now where we just want to please God as best as we can and get out of here. <laughs> okay? And you know what? There's nothing. Be, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we love the Lord our God with all our heart and our mind and souls, as long as we love Jesus with all our, our, as our first love, as long as we sing to him, as long as our relationship is intimate, as long as we are praying fervently for the lost, praying for our fellow brothers and sisters, touching people's lives as much as we know how to or can or given the opportunity to, I think we're doing pretty good. And, um, you know, and, and that, so, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want this to sound like it is up, down, or anything. It's about all of us understanding that we are in all this stuff together, okay? And it and all the extraneous stuff really relevant to God. God expects us to stand up. God expects us to persevere. God expects us to know our Bible pretty well and to follow it. God expects us to know what the most important commandment is, and if we don't understand that, we should be praying fervently to to be filled with the love for our Father. God expects us to know that Jesus is our first love. God expects us to know that it is an intimate relationship with him, and God expects us to have works or better word, I believe, is behaviors that are associated with knowing who we are in the kingdom. And that's pretty much it, really, when it comes right down to it. Okay, so, and and you know what, at the end of the day, whether or not I'm doing a long day and I'm burned out or tired or whatever the case is, really, it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Okay, now it may result to me in the flesh of saying, you know what, I'm way too burned out. I'm not going to sit there and mumble on a program for a couple of hours and then, you know, and pass out or whatever, or, you know, or, I'm, you know, no, 
No. Um, You know, I admittedly am 61. I am tired. I am exhausted. I know a lot of you are very tired, very exhausted. We've been through a lot. This is a very dark time on the earth. And and, and, And you know what? Did you know that mental exhaustion, mental exhaustion is much, much harder on your longevity? on your health, on the health of your, uh, um, uh, you know, on all of the chemical systems that operate in the body, the endocrine system, the, the cardiovascular system, the, your mental health, all the things that weave together into an amazing, fearfully and wonderfully made tapestry of godliness that, that has been, you know, baked into who we are, okay, in our, in, in our flesh as well as our spirit, which should be a major part of our makeup, especially now. That is more badly or negatively affected by mental stress. By a magnet, I would es- estimate it from my studies and personal experience that mental fatigue, mental, in, um, what's the right word? Mentally induced fatigue, stressing, worrying, being thrown into like with with me three ninety minute meetings with a. Just a mess. It's just a mess. Um, you know, they're practically back to back because the time that you mentally recover from the first meeting, <laughs> you got to the next one's already coming up. But anyway, um, that type of mental pressure, you know, and in my world, and I'm not complaining, I'm just saying it is what it is, but I've also got people that are waking up, uh, past guests of the radio show that believe that, you know, such and such is going on and they got to come on, they got to come on. Uh, you know, people that I haven't heard from in years, you know, that are like, oh, please, Brother Johnny, you know, play this, you know, can, if I, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, um, how, how do you explain to that person that I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mean or anything, but. I'm going to have to schedule a 30-minute slice of my time Thursday night to talk to you because I don't have the time. And praise God, you know, it's, it, it just is, it is what it is. It is what it is. As a matter of fact, i got a sign behind me sitting on the shelf right here. It says, it is what it is. And I love that saying. A lot of people are like, no, I don't believe that because I believe that you can pray your way out of it is what it is. And, I don't, you know, and I'm like, you know what? You, you're clueless. Okay, but I love you. I love you in Christ, but you still don't get stuff. God decides. We pray, but our Father decides. He is the only one who knows what he has written in our books. He is the only one who knows. And he will, as long as we love him and we trust him and we follow him, he will make our path straight. We will fulfill the things that he's written in our books. And these are all prerequisite requirements in order for us to be able to maximize, um, you know, our hopefulness in our heavenly rewards and inheritance. You know, that is if you're unlike me and you have any left. Okay, I don't even know if I have any left. I don't know. You know, but we're all going to, all of our works will be tested by fire of what sort they are. And those who, you know, the, you know, that, that, you know, the works that, uh, that endure will receive a reward and those that do not endure will, you know, receive a loss. The merit, the merit system. First Corinthians three, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventy. Well, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen mainly. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And it's amazing to me how many people don't understand those things when they read them. 
It's right there. It says it right out loud. It's not difficult. It's not complex. But everybody wants to think that we're all going to end up in the same exact street in the middle of heaven, and that's just how it works. There's no inheritance. There's no heavenly rewards. They don't even notice the word inheritance, most of them. Most of the people who teach the Bible look at Galatians 5.19 and think that every one of those behaviors is going to send a person straight to hell. That is absolutely ridiculous. It says it will affect your inheritance. It says they will not inherit the kingdom if they practice these things regularly. It doesn't say anything about being sent to hell. What it means is you're going to be sent further away from the city of God. You don't want that to happen. And you know what? Tonight, I wanted to play. I wanted to, you know, I was just soul searching myself. I, 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 I got a little notification on my cell phone this morning, and I was like, you know, I was so out of it. And I was waking up. I was so tired. And then I was like, you know, it's like 4 o'clock, and, um, and uh, bing, 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 and, you know, a little alert, and it's like, um, Oh, Johnny's so, you know, solo show tonight. And I was thinking to myself, oh, no, not another solo show. Because I'm thinking to my, you know, I was like, what am I going to talk about? And then, you know, it hit me. We have been getting, and I've got plenty of it to share with you, like coming up next. So much bad news. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little fed up with it. You know, um, I just wish it could all come to an end. I wish somehow it could, could accelerate, but then I see all these people waking up and I know our father, I mean, good enough to know that when I see a bunch of people waking up that weren't, weren't awake before. Um, yeah, God isn't in any hurry. If he's counting the fullness of the Gentiles that are being brought in, which he is, and it is a dynamic, it's not mathematical, I don't care what anybody says, I don't care how many books they've written, at the end of the day, they're wrong. Um, God's counting. And when I see those numbers increasing, I shrug my shoulders and go, darn. You know, now, could our Heavenly Father, you know, could the season of the fig tree generation, which is us for sure, could it be such that God is going to has already lifted his hand of protection off of the earth, which he has. Now, does he reinstate his protection on the earth? Does he call an audible? Does he adjust the course to bring in more? Maybe. Maybe. Could be. Um, I think the vast majority of us who've been suffering for many years for a whole, gosh, portfolio of reasons, some of us in Encyclopedia Britannica reasons, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I think we want to go home. I, th- I think we've had it up to here, and we, we don't want to really, you know, we'd like to go. <laughs> we've heard enough. We know how they're going to institute the mark of the beast. We understand how the CBDCs work. We understand the 15 minute cities. We see where everything is heading. We praise God for it. We understand the, uh, you know, graphene oxide and the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, hydro creature and all, all the, all the, all that weirdness that's associated with the vax. Uh, we get it. And, you know, I think, uh, I think once you come to that revelation where you know, you know, you can fill in the blanks. You know the story. You know, you know how to fill in. You might not know every little thing. You might not know the next pandemic. You could say, well, it's going to be the Sears one because they're, they're having a, uh, you know, they just had a uh, tabletop exercise over Sears. And it's going to be catastrophic and it's going to be in 2025. But, you know, what? you really don't know that. We assume it because that's been the pattern thus far, but we don't know that. So 
anyway, we're in this constant state of end time stasis where we just don't know. And you know what? I'm not really so sure that that's a bad thing, really, because all things considered. I mean, some things you just don't want to know. I think it's very safe for us to assume that every source of information is corrupt, pretty much. Um, And we're going to have to discern our way through it all. But let me tell you something, folks. It's going to be hard. It's going to be real, real hard, given the state of the world right now, which, by the way, we were warned about with Jesus. All right. Jesus spoke in very, very high language, very, um, gosh, it's so high. It was so high. No details. Let's just put it that way. No details at all. He'd say things like persecution, pestilence, famine. You know, when you see the abomination, desolation, standing in the holy place, let the reader beware. Don't go back for your clothes. Run to the mountains, yada, 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 yada all that kind of stuff. I get it. But it still doesn't give you the details. doesn't tell you when North Korea is going to attack. doesn't tell you when they're going to send the F-20, F-35s or whatever into Iran and, and nuke the uh, Fort Al facility. doesn't tell you all that stuff. doesn't tell you. So we're stuck in this stasis, this end times. we got this big old list of stuff that we know is going to happen, but we don't know when, you know. And then I believe that God has blessed us with the understanding of David Doetry's vision and the big spherical thing that Augusto Perez saw and, and Sori Park, you know, was told by Jesus that NASA would come on. All that stuff just adds up beautifully. It's, just, it's a tapestry of incredible prophetic information. You know, I got – my sister is sending me stuff. She's like, you really got to listen to this. You, can re- you know, to, to, what's going to happen 24 hours before the rapture? I won't listen. I won't listen. There's too much demonic deception in the body of Jesus Christ right now. I will not listen. I have all the information that I need. I don't need any more. And if I have done a bad job sharing it with you over these years, then doggone it. I am sorry. I can only do the best that I can. I cannot increase your ability to hear, listen, and retain information. And I know that I talk fast, but I don't have a choice. Praise God. Uh, and you, you have the choice to get a podcaster. You have the choice to download the MP3s. You have a choice to go back and hit the rewind button. I don't. This is live. Hallelujah. All right. So anyway, all that being said, I have to pump out information as fast as I can, given the circumstances. And I need to spend some time helping people to understand that we're all in this together. I have a margin of error. Every human has a margin of error. I don't have time to confirm things. As a matter of fact, I got a report this morning that was like, wow, that's amazing, but I couldn't confirm it. I had to get to work. I I just, you know, $14 billion company. Uh, You know, uh, if I dork it up, I'm I'm a dead man walking, you know, all that kind of stuff. The the repercussions are unbelievable. And then, and then, uh, so then I, I got in contact with Stephen Ben Noon and I sent him the information and he's got he's like going, I'm gonna have to look into this. This is pretty serious. And I'm like, Yes, it is. But I told him, I said, I can't confirm it. I can't find any other information out there. They don't have any television clips. And he's like, That's all right, I'm gonna look into it. And then he's like, I'm gonna talk to Mike from around the world and all this kind of stuff, and I don't even listen to him. And that's okay. It's not that it's not anything personal, it's just that I don't listen to anybody. Okay? I don't I really don't. I mean, unless they come on this show, I don't listen to anyone. That's it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I listen to whatever the Lord shows me and praise his name, and then I show up for work. 
And, you know, if it's miraculous, then it's miraculous. If it's supernatural, then it's supernatural. If it's not, it's not. If it has a margin of error of 10% or 20%, I have no idea. But I've got to share whatever it is that I believe that I think I know because it could very well be true. And if I don't, shame on me. Praise God. But I will always add in that margin of error because it exists with all of us, and God does change his mind. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Book of Jonah. Hallelujah. All right, so all that being said, I just wanted to get that out there and help everybody to just understand that wherever you are in your walk, however old you are, whatever pain you're going through, whatever maladies that you have, whatever cheating that is going on between you and your spouse after a gazillion years, all this stuff, let it, just let it go. It doesn't, it's not a separator between us. We are all part of the body of Christ. That's just it. We have to love each other. We ought to automatically, really, love each other where we are and support each other where we are. I, I adore every single brother and sister out there that's a regular listener, even an intermittent listener of the program, that, you know, when I have had more than I can take and I cancel a show, takes the time to email me and say, Johnny, God bless you. Rest. Get some time off. Watch a TV show. You know, I really appreciate that a lot because there are people out there that think I'm a robot and that I'm just going to show up every single time. But I'm... Like I said, you know, I haven't gotten any younger. <laughs> My body hurts bad. It doesn't hurt as bad as somebody's, some, some of our believers. They're in a lot of pain. And I pray for them fervently all the time. And we should all be praying for each other fervently, of course. But um, I'm blessed, really. By comparison, I'm, I'm unbelievably blessed. All right. So if I'm limping around and my leg hurts or whatever the case is, or I can barely get up and down the stairs, even though I'm not working out because I don't, you know, I don't, whatever is blocking it. Um, uh, but anyway, it's, it, we're all in the same boat. None of us have an advantage. That's of the devil. That's where that comes from all here to support, encourage one another, but also to admonish one another in a very kind, loving way to let each other know, even if, you know, how mean would it be to not warn somebody that the Bible says not to do X and Y and not warn them? I'm sorry, but I don't agree with somebody who says, well, I I exhort, I just do this, I just love people, I just, you know... I think there needs to be – we need to be honest. We need to be up, upright with one another. If, if we know that there's something – and it's, there's no problem with sharing it with one another. Well, I see this in the Bible, Brother Johnny, and I think that that, that, that which I see in the Bible uh, is something that I need to let you know about. But the thing is, most Christians who do that are hit and run. And they will come in and they will throw what they believe that they think that they know, but they won't discuss it. And that's fine. That's fine. People will lob grenades and tear gas at you, and then they'll run to the hills. And that's fine, too. I'm not going to get into all that. Um, I Believe me, I've experienced all of it. Um, and most of them are like that. They they won't. Uh, they, they believe what they believe, and that's just how it is. And that's you know, that's between them and Jesus. And you know what? When they get to heaven, I can guarantee you they're going to be sad 
that they did not take the time to learn. They're going to be sad, and Jesus will tell them why. But he'll do it in such a nice, loving, kind, awesome way that he would that they're not going to feel bad about it, which is okay. It's okay, which we're going to learn a little about tonight by listening to the Odin Hetrick testimony. What I'm going to do, because it's iterative, iterative means it builds upon itself. Tonight, as we go through the Odin Hetrick testimony again, probably be about the fourth time we've done it on this program in the last 12 years, um, there may be even more things that come to my mind knowing more now than I did the last time we did it, which is neat because there are so many mysteries woven in Odin's testimony that I would say pretty much 100% of the people who listen to it the first time do not hear and they do not see and they absolutely do not understand. We do. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We definitely do. And we will expand upon it tonight. Praise Jesus. And you know what is incredibly exciting? Because it explains so many things that are otherwise unexplainable. You're not going to find it out from any teacher, any Bible preacher. Uh, No, no, you won't. And tonight we're going to go through it. We're going to go through that testimony and um, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to share with you, you know, um, it's, you know, I would like it to be interactive, but there's no way to do it on a program like this. But um, I, I will, you know, say, you know, sometimes I won't say anything. I will say, is that amazing or what? Let's go to the next clip. Bam. And then, um, and then maybe there'll be one that just has like four incredible mysteries and what they mean to us when it comes to examining the concept of ruling and reigning as part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Over all of eternity. And um, I have every intention, as time permitting, to be able to share um, other insights that are injected or associated with that testimony uh, of Odin's. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, on that note, um, I just thought it would be kind of cool to take, you know, we got so much World War Three stuff going on, so much end of the world stuff going on, so much vaccinating our food. Oh, my goodness, stuff going on, all this kind of creepy weirdness that it would be kind of cool to just kind of, you know, step back from it for a second and look at how awesome. How awesome all of this is in the grand scheme of the ugly stuff that we have to go through. At the end of the day, we need negative and positive reinforcement. Our Heavenly Father created negative and positive reinforcement. It is the most effective way to embed into a whatever we are. You know, whether you look at yourself as a citizen of heaven, whether you look at yourself as a uh, light being that is, uh, you know, Psalm 82 and is uh, dying like a man, whatever it is, however you look at yourself, or you're just some woman or man that was born in, you know, Patuxatawney, Pennsylvania, or whatever, okay, it, it's irrelevant. At the end of the day, the cool stuff we're going to talk about tonight is cool for all of us. If you can receive it, and if you can't receive it, Okay, flip the off button. Go listen to some David Wilkerson teaching or something. That's great. That's good stuff. Go listen to, you know, whatever. Um, You know, Leonard Ravenhill might be good. Find some good Leonard Ravenhill preaching. We don't get enough Leonard Ravenhill preaching. We get too much, you know, easy does it stuff. Okay, you know, set yourself on fire with a little bit of good old fashioned uh, William Booth teaching, Leonard Ravenhill teaching, that kind of stuff. 
We all need a little bit of spark in our step. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, or 23 Minutes in Hell with Bill Weiss. All right. Uh, praise God. All right. Um, and I, I can only take that one once. I'd rather not hear it a second time. All right. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. On that note, let's go into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, what? It's not normal. This is disturbing. Praise God. I was talking in <laughs> I was talking to my microphone but I forgot to turn the mute off. Ah, it's been that kind of a day. Love it. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So anyway, um, so I'm going to start out with the kids. Kids, are you ready? Yeah. All right. Kids. What has ears but cannot hear? What has ears but cannot hear? A cornfield. Yeah, that was too easy, right, kids? But you still liked it, didn't you? Come on. Don't give me that blank. All right. Okay. Oh, good. All right. Kids, what did the left eye say to the right eye? Between us, something smells. Between us, something smells. Come on. That was pretty good. Kids, why did the police play baseball? Why did the police play baseball? He wanted to get a catch. Get it? He wanted to get a catch? Kids? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think of that one, huh? Uh, I don't know. You know, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't like that one either. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So anyway, on that note, let's go into the news, and then we'll go into Odin Hetrick's, uh, uh testimony with commentary, with new things that we've learned surely by now. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. I praise God. So um, a person on my finally tuned Twitter feed um, named Dr. Simon Godek made a commentary. I felt led to look into it, and it was several pages long. And then as I was reading it, I thought, wow, because I applied it to our Christian walk, and it was the same lamenting. Now, I'm not sure if I did a good job of capturing it all because it's kind of hard because, you know, got to do screen caps and get them in order and blah, 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 several pages. So if I dork it up, I dork it up, whatever. But anyway, um, uh, like I said, I just did not have time. I had to scurry and try to get the radio show notes. Anyway, anyway, so let's just see if it makes sense. I hope it does. But what he was saying applies to each of us, but he was seeing it from a secular standpoint. Praise God. And he, and he enters into it by saying, are we losing the war for freedom against, you know, the Great Reset? So he's looking at the big picture, you know, the World Economic Forum, CBDCs, all that kind of stuff, all, you know, the things that a, an unbeliever would look at. 
from their perspective. And he says, quote, do you ever wake up in the morning and wonder why you even bother fighting for freedom of others, many of whom don't seem to want, let alone deserve, such liberty? Okay, so as I'm reading this, by the way, apply it to your attempt to wake people up. Remember that Matthew 22 reads like a newspaper right now, and the great king sent out his servants to invite people to the wedding supper, but they were unwilling to come. Get it? Okay. So he goes on to say, lately I've been asking myself this question more and more often. The hatred one faces for speaking out on social media is unimaginable, and it comes at a great personal cost. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. In my case, it meant losing three well-paying jobs, severing ties with loved ones. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. Um, and all for standing up for what I believe is right and important. Bizarrely, my statements mostly remain within Twitter, Getter, Telegram bubbles, seemingly having little impact on reality. In other words, what's going on in the world? He goes, uh, he goes on to say, he says, in reality, the Great Reset keeps progressing without interruption. As influential figures like Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab are driving the fourth industrial revolution, Great Reset, uh, the New World Order, the Great Tribulation is what the Bible calls it, promote their agenda without fear of any consequences, he says. Yeah, no kidding. The intertwining of these protagonists with the media is particularly wearisome. The latter, the media, responsible for shaping public opinion, fail to scrutinize those who finance their operations. Moreover, just as in science, journalism exhibits selection bias, almost exclusively uncritical individuals who toe the line are hired. In other words, you know, people that are paid off. Although Twitter under Elon Musk is regaining importance and freedom of speech is more or less restored, be careful with that one, there is still no point of return in sight. Worse yet, COVID was declared over by, uh, over by Biden with a simple signature, and the very mob that discriminated against the unvaccinated now focus on climate change, which will bring further personal restrictions. Correct. Given the anticipated developments, he says, I question why I continue to fight against what seems inevitable. Despite the discrimination, the current is so strong that it feels almost impossible to swim against it. Of course, after three years, there are some journalists popping up uh, who now critique COVID, and this will generally increase. But this is happening because most of the world has already been vaccinated. It is simply two years too late. What is now perceived as, quote, critical journalism is, in my opinion, just part of the agenda. So where are the journalists question, questioning this alleged climate scam? Where are those opposing the transgender madness? Where are those warning against digital currency? Where are those condemning 15-minute neighborhoods? Where are those saying it's healthy to eat meat and eggs, or it's unhealthy to meat, eat, and eggs, where are, or, or that it is? Uh, where are those enlightening us about the fact that CO2 is good for plant growth and is a result of the changing global temperatures, not, um, uh, not the other way around? Where are those warning against 
against a digital ID that will completely strip us of our privacy? Where are those who see the implementation of the Chinese-style social credit system as a threat to Western world? Where are those who sharply criticize Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates in public? There are, they are scarce. As a result, reach only a small, increasingly woke segment of society. I feel like we're flogging a dead horse. But perhaps the hope that our efforts might one day make a difference is what keeps me from deleting my social media accounts. Because of one thing, I am 100% certain, unlike waking up with the doubts, I never want to experience waking up in a 1984 like this soap dystopia. Take care, Dr. Simon. Sorry about that, buddy. You're going into the dystopians. <laughs> Orwell is inevitable. All right. Uh, said with a good meant all all good intentions, but unfortunately, <laughs> the Bible says we're heading there, gangbusters. And uh, well, all I can hope is, Mr. Simon, I pray that you someday, because of the mercy of God, see this as what it is. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, on that note, I am going to play this audio bite. It is. Intended to be funny, and if you don't like it, then, okay, turn off the show. I don't care, um, but I think it's hilarious. Uh, and um, it's, it's a little bit it's – a, it's a funny uh, comedic tidbit about a uh, doctor talking to a man in a hospital bed. Um, now, it may have some words that you think are on the edge, but I got another bit that has the F-bomb, and I'm going to play that one too. So I'm war- going to warn you, and I'm going to warn you kids. Right, kids? You, you appreciate that. All right. I know you're not cheering because of the F-bomb, but I, you, you are cheering because I'm going to tell you about it before. Okay. Because uh, I don't have the time to edit these things out like I used to back in the day, but I don't have that time anymore. You know, because we're in the very end of times. We're so far past the fig tree generation right now, I don't understand what we're still doing here. Praise God. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play this for you because I think it's hilarious. And this doctor is counseling a person in a bed, and we'll just go ahead and listen to what he says. I think it's funny. Praise Jesus. All right. Hopefully... You do do, because we can use a little comic relief. It's okay. It's okay. Take a deep breath. You had a surgery. You've been under anesthesia, but you're okay. We're gonna we're gonna get you out of here. What? What? What's going on? Well, you had you had an event, and um, we had to operate, but you're you're gonna be okay. Why is my rear end killing you? We had to perform an emergency. Intracranial rectal removal. And the worst part is, this has been happening a lot. This is the second time you've been in the hospital because your head has been up your ass. I need to ask you something. Are you a Democrat? Okay, okay. That was in the union about 20 years ago. Okay, okay. Oh, slow down, slow down, slow down. We don't want that head to go back up there. All right? This happens a lot with liberals. Your beliefs and the way you vote affects the way your head relates with your butthole. And it'll just go right up there and it'll block reality. But we gotta be loyal and no Oh, whoa, 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 shush, shush. It'll happen right as I'm sitting here. It's not pleasant to watch. So I want you to take a look at this. That is the Constitution. Now look at it, read it, and that's gonna affect the way you see the world. Welcome aboard. I'm also gonna write you a prescription for a couple of old Ronald Reagan speeches. 
All right. Anyway, it ends there. I don't know how it uh, ends further on down. I don't know what uh, comedy show that this was uh, taken from, but uh, anyway, I, uh, you know, I found it to be absolutely hilarious, and so did a lot of people. Anyway, and it is. It is. It's absolutely beyond hilarious. Now, sadly, we must trans, uh, you know, I don't know what the right word, but move into, we'll just say, uh, some less funny things. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And that is uh, this little ditty, which includes a uh, financial specialist. I'm definitely not going to play the whole thing. Um, But I'm just going to tell you what the moral of the story is. What they're talking about in their Greek analysis of financialism, which is way above my head, the moral of the story, I think, kind of comes out in the first few minutes, and that is that the situation on a global level when the the serious experts that really understand finance take a look at what's going on across the world and the Fed and the interest rates and all the other things that intermingle and cause, you know, bad stuff to happen. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play this for you because uh, – what I was able to derive, even though I'm not an expert on all the, all the terms that they were using, I was able to quickly derive that it is this this particular expert's opinion, backed by a lot of fact, that the situation that we are in right now is going to degrade substantially. In fact, there's also indicators that the consummation of the global financial collapse could be as early as sometime this summer. Now, I'm not, you know, God is in control. He will make that decision. I have no idea, but I will play pieces of other people's opinions to let you, you know, collect your thoughts and act accordingly. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so on that note, let's go ahead and listen to what they got to say. All right. I don't even know what the name of this program is, but it was uh, noteworthy. Oh, sorry. They want to do a commercial. One, two, one. Skip that. Okay, here we go. Over the weekend. So Credit Suisse uh, was married uh, to... Hold on. If you've got a flat roof like this one oh, right here... Oh, come on. And you don't want to spend tens two, or even hundreds... One. Of okay. That leads to the consolidation of the banking sector... Here we go. ...with a very dystopian end result. Edward Dowd is the founding partner of Finance Technology... He has over three decades of experience in finance, including working as a portfolio manager at BlackRock, the world's biggest asset manager. Edward, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on today. Very much appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate your insight, as terrifying as it may be. We have a lot to unpack, but let's start off easy with the latest from the Fed. Uh, the Fed raising by 25 basis points its range to the 4.75 to 5% range. Now, Jerome Powell is quite adamant that there will not be a pivot, saying that rate cuts are not in the base case, but the bond market is indicating otherwise. The 10-year Treasury yield falling to 3.5% on Wednesday. That's a drop from the peak of 4.2% in October. The yield is down 14% over the past few days. And you're saying that the Fed funds curve is pricing in a very different message from what Fed Powell will have us believe. Break that down for us. Yeah, so I haven't checked today, but as of yesterday, after the announcement and after he spoke, the Fed Fund futures curve, uh, which is the overnight lending rate, is pricing in for interest rate cuts. So the bond market has spoken, 
Um, and the other indication is the three-month T-bill, which is not a futures contract. Uh, it, in this rate cycle, has been trading above the discount rate set by the Fed. And now, uh, since the banking crisis has emerged with Silicon Valley Bank and others, the three-month T-bill is trading below the discount rate. And so there is a flight to safety and quality, and people are shortening their duration, selling equities, and getting ready for a storm. That's, that's the wisdom of the market. That's what the market is telling you. So people have different opinions about this, but I, I'm a market uh, student, and I, when the market tells me something, I pay attention. And the market's saying uh, that Fed Chairman Powell is probably going to have to not only just pause, but start cutting. And uh, if, I, if, this, if this future's interest rate curve holds, I, I, I see an emergency Fed rate cut sometime in the next three months at, at a bare minimum. That's my, that's my prediction. Um, and the other thing that I want to touch on that's very grim, and again, look, I'm not a doom, I'm not someone that likes to yeah. you know, be gloom and doom. I just study the facts and the asset markets and the economy. You know, my team at Finance Technologies, we do a lot of deep dive economic analysis. We call the recession in November of last year. And we, at the time, we saw a recession that was going to be more uh, on the order of the 2000-2001 recession and the 1990 recession. Now, unfortunately, we're looking for a hard recession, hopefully nothing systemic like the great financial crisis, but that remains to be seen. Um, what, happened okay. in, what happened in November of uh, 2022 was very grim. Uh, the money supply, M2, year-over-year growth rate went negative. And why is that important? That's only happened five times since 1868, including this one. The uh, last time this occurred was 1930, the Great Depression. So this is a big deal, and it's an indication that credit is contracting at a very fast pace. Okay. And the, life, and the lifeblood of the, all our economies is credit. Absolutely. And I want to break down that M2 thesis and what it means, but I just want to all right. So anyway, they go on to analyze it. The bottom line is what he just said was that according to all of the indicators that this particular uh, specialist, you know, um, analyzes is uh, that we're heading into a Great Depression. I mean, really, he says that, you know, all the pointers are saying this is where we're going. As a matter of fact, I will even tell you, because I listened to a little bit more of it earlier today, was that he even he basically says that as best as you can tell via his analysis, um, uh, he believes that there's no way out of it. In other words, the market dynamics are such that no matter what the Fed does, no matter what, whether or not they put the brakes on the interest rates, no matter what anybody does, the snowball effect that has been launched thus far is unstoppable. <clears throat> In other words, it's an inevitable market crash to something that is equivalent to or worse than the 1930s. Okay. So anyway, so I'm just kind of saving you an extra, you know, because this is a 47 minute long clip. All right. And uh, most of the jargon, of course, is over most of our financial heads. Uh, but uh, we can get the gist. We can glean the gist off of what the man is saying. And uh, anyway, it's not good news. All right. Praise God. Thank you. I mean, at least, you know, from a, you know, it's good news in the sense that, you know, you know, we're leaving soon. Um, it, it's good news in, in, in the sense that it is bringing to a, an eventual and probably imminent culmination of the third seal. That's great. Um, but, yeah, the impact is going to be real. 
for all of us. All right, praise God. And so we're just going to, you know, we need to we need to be trusting God right now anyway. So if you're not, you know, there in your walk, well, we all need to be there in our walk. We should be at peace, you know. Um, and so anyway, we've talked about that and that concept, uh, you know, endless amount of uh, time on this program over, well, especially over the last year. All right, praise God. All right, next one up. Thank you, Jesus. Worst financial crash in history is coming this summer, according to some economists. Then it goes on to explain that this man by the name, I do not know him, Harry Dent, predicts that the biggest economic meltdown in our lifetime is going to happen or start happening by mid-June, which is right around the corner, of this year. So we shall see. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to dwell on it because... We all know what's going on. We know we see what's happening. Uh, we we know it's coming. All right. Thank you, Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, the Word. But on the other hand, you know, God is in control. Amen. So we'll see. All right. Praise Jesus. So anyway, uh, next one up. Mar- uh, this is interesting. I, I found this very interesting. Now, Macron, who's a, is the quintessential Illuminati family entity um, has done some unusual things as of late, which appear, although it's probably part of a choreographed, you know, whatever, Michael Jackson, you know, type, let's trick the world kind of thing. But anyway, he appears to be turning against the United States and the petrodollar and seeking out China and all this other stuff. But I thought this was interesting. This is from France 24. Uh, It's the uh, media outlet. And um, Macron is in the middle of a speech in the Netherlands. So he's not even in France at the time he's making his speech. And I I think it's fascinating to even hear it because what you're going to hear is a shout down. So the people, so, so did people from France just like drive over to the Netherlands to hear him speak so they could shout him down or or are these people that are shouting him down from the Netherlands and they're just all collectively awake to the fact that he's what he is? All right, I don't know, but let's take a quick, uh, you know, listen to this. All right, praise God. Here we go. Les messieurs les ministres et ministres, members of parliament, monsieur le président, dear Rob, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, thank you very much for this opportunity and I have to say that I do admire Nexus Institute, what you do and how much you delivered such strong messages, not just for Europe, but for humanity and our common values. Hello. I think we lost something. Why is French democracy? Why did we lost it? I can I can answer this question if you if you give me some time. Sir? 
praise God. So anyway, I could just keep it going on, but basically there's a, it turns into a major shout down. They're all telling him they're attacking him for being what he is. Um, and saying, what about democracy? What about the vote? What about listening to people? You know, what about doing your doggone job? And, um, uh, you know, and, and I, I think it's great. I really do. Um, you know, I am a citizen of heaven. I think that we all are. I know that we all are. And I know that ultimately we don't want to get involved with it. But at the same time, and even though we know, biblic, you know, biblically speaking, that it's not going to mean a hell of beans. God's going, you know, the Bible's going to be made manifest no matter what. Um, you know, I don't think there's anybody listening to this program right now that wouldn't like to see Dr. Fauci, you know, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, you name it, um, you know, uh, taken before a tribunal and having a, a second Nuremberg trial. Okay, but, you know, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and so we just, you know, we endure, we watch and pray, uh, we practice holiness and righteousness as best as we possibly can. We are continuously self-examining, and that is part of our walk. All right, praise God. All right, now, this is a warning. Kids, you must leave the room now. Just for a little time, it's just a short clip. It's only 38 seconds long. Just put, just, okay, just a little bit. Uh, Oh, stop it for crying out loud. You probably heard your dad say it once when he dropped a brick on his foot. But anyway, um, this one has an, uh, an F word in it. But what is actually being said is so violent. Uh, what is the right word? Not violently important. Um, I don't have a word. It is so important. What is being said by Joe Rogan in this 38-second clip that I don't think words can quite describe it, which may very well be the reason why he dropped an F-bomb during it. So for those of you who are offended by that word, I did not, I cannot, and I do not have the time to bleep them out. wish I could, but I can't. And uh, so unfortunately, we got to listen to it raw, And but it is that important now. Uh, so, so because what he is saying is a fact. Okay. Uh, and uh, anyway, so here we go. So for those of you who don't want to hear that, put your hands over your ears for the next 38 seconds. And for those of you who can tolerate it, uh, then you're going to hear something profound. Uh, here we go. And let's bring it up right now. Praise God. Here, waiting, 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 waiting. Wait, wait until things get really bad. You're going to be here more than you want. precipice of unstoppable great change. And I think it's going to hit us like a fucking tsunami. And I think we're just really fortunate to be alive at this time yes. where the whole world is going to shift in, in a really wild way. And I think one of the things you're seeing from whether it is these um, corporations or these uh, government entities that are trying to control narratives, this is like them trying to grasp at the, the last bits of control that are potentially available. But I think inevitably they're going to lose. We are at the precipice of unstoppable great change. All right. And it's going to hit us like a tsunami. Now, unfortunately, he still believes that there's a chance of recovery. Um, there isn't. So anyway, that being said, uh, we already know what the outcome is. Thank you for our precious word, Father. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Jesus. But um, we can only hope that, you know, Mr. Rogan will see the connection eventually. All of them. 
Well, we'd like to, to believe that. Uh, and just keep on praying. Keep on praying for the lost. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So anyway, but the the fact that he sees it coming as a as a massive tsunami that's going to strike is profound. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up is is uh, a little commentary from our, you know, one of the darkest, most evil entities walking the face of the earth today. Uh, Mr. Schwab, but I think what he is saying here is important to take note of. And essentially, you know, I don't want to give away the punchline, so I'll play it and then I'll, you know, repeat it. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to this. This is troubling, but we all know it. It's called the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate. We talk about it all the time. Praise God. Here we go. Coming right up. And I have to say... um when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now, the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brez- of uh, Argentina, and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. All right, I'm going to stop it right there because I don't I don't like to hear this animal speak. And there's a special place in hell. I will never utter a single word of prayer for this entity. All right, because forget it. These are perfectly possessed. They're doomed to the bottom of Dante's Inferno. All right, now all that being said, um, I would call them twice dead right out of the book of Jude. But all that being said, what he just said is the fact that he's um, he's all kind of happy because they've penetrated the cabinets. Now, let's translate what that means. What he means is they control all the parliaments. They control all they, they control everything They're When they say that they've penetrated the global cabinets of the countries, they mean it. OK. This is why we have seen nothing but perplexing, to some people, perplexing dynamics where you have them completely busted. You've got all the goods. You've got documentaries. You've got, I mean, unfathomable, I mean, unbelievable amounts of evidence, and it still falls on deaf ears. Because their control is so deep, the cancer is so, you know, deep that there's no, you you can't pull out of the tailspin. And that's what he's saying. Um, So anyway, praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And on that note, let's continue forward. I want to watch my time because I'm going to have plenty of time for uh, Odin because, you know, even if I got to cut the rest of the noisy news. And, and, but I, the, I, the Odin Hetrick stuff is very cool, and we all need a, to get a little bit pumped up and think positive about why we're going through all this and what it's going to lead to. Praise God. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to speculate beyond that, but it is exciting. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Next headline up again. RSBN reports House Republicans move to prohibit central bank digital currency. Now, does that matter? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But you got to look, I've even seen an article, believe it or not, where there was a confrontation from some influential lawmakers that was directed at the Fed. And the Fed said, we have no intention of adopting central bank digital currencies. And all I could think of was what a Unbelievable satanic lie from Satan. Uh, 
but anyway, it's what we live in. I mean, it's so rare to find anybody who even tries to tell the truth. And have to, be, you know, and think about all the Christians that believe they're telling the truth and aren't. That's, you know, they become part of the, you know, unfortunate control grid. Uh, but anyway, it is what it is. All right, praise God. Now, I wanted to share this with you. I got to do it verbally. I can't show it to you. Uh, but you wouldn't believe it. So anyway, um, I showed this to Sister Elena this morning, and she said, you have got to be kidding me. And I said, no, no, look at it, look at it. So anyway, uh, Tucker Carlson did a bit, you know, a little segment, he calls it. And the segment on Fox News was, on his show, was called the CBDC age, colon, saying no to digital dollars. And then to his right is a graphic of a an entity uh, with a giant yellow sign in front of the podium saying social control. Now, what's really amazing about this graphic is the entity standing – this is on Tucker Carlson – the entity standing behind the podium that says social control is a reptilian. A reptilian. Can you believe that? Anyway, I'm like, that's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, what do you think he knows? I don't know what he knows. I mean, uh, it seems like he knows more than he says he knows. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's just wrong. All right. Now, this is this is a protest happening in the UK. Now, is it over? Is it continuing? I have no idea. When did it happen? I don't know. It was. uh, But uh, anyway, this is a uh, actual protest in progress. That's what you're going to hear. And it's in Oxford, uh, England. um, And it's uh, a bunch of people. Man, it's a huge crowd saying, uh, no way, we're not doing your 15-minute city nonsense. It appears that the United Kingdom is ahead of the rest of the world uh, for the implementation of 15-minute cities. So anyway, let's listen to this. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. All right, boom. Oh, it's got music in the background, so it's a little noisy. All right. Unfortunately, some of these folks love to just like throw huge amounts of music in the background. And I'm hearing it coming over the headphones and it's not coming across the way I hoped. Um, But anyway, um, it's a very, very substantial protest and cops are pushing people, shoving people. Uh, People are like, you know, beep for freedom. We're not going to put up with this. You know, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the group and it appears to be it's got to be tens of thousands in the streets, protesting 15-minute cities in Oxford, in the U.K. Praise God. All right, next up, hallelujah, here we go. All right, now this was, this is highly, highly contested. Well, I don't want to call it contested. What it is is that there are those of us who have come to a place where we're a little bit jaded, we're a little bit guarded. I don't, I'm not saying that's good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. I don't care about that. It's irrelevant to me. And I will defend myself until I stand before Jesus for pumping this information out there, even if I'm unable to confirm it. I would rather pump the information out and be wrong than not put the information out. 
Besides, people, just because they think they're getting a confirmation doesn't mean they're not being played like a fiddle. All right? There's a lot of very... There's a lot of people out there that seem to think that everything's photoshopped. I, I had one person come after me saying, all those hundreds of thousands of videos out there showing a second son, they're all, you know, those are all, uh, uh, what did he call them? I forget what, you know, um, had a name for it. And I'm like, you know what, if, if you want to spend the rest of your time on Earth debunking the inevitable, go ahead, but stay away from me. I do not like debunkers, and I do not want you to tell me why you're debunking something. Period. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I got a job to do, and if I'm wrong sometimes, that's just the way it is. All right, but I will say this. I took this video. I gave it to Stephen Ben Noon. He said he was going to give it to, you know, whatever, somebody from around the world who I don't listen to. I don't know him, and it's irrelevant whether I do or not. I don't have any feelings one way or the other, but, the, you know, Ben Noon is going to look into it. He's going to see if he can figure something out. Um, it looks pretty legit to me, but, you know, who who knows? One thing is for sure, at the end of the day, but anyway, it's, it was posted multiple times on Twitter, and it says, uh, this event was televised live on TV yesterday during the United States Masters Golf Tournament. The commentator said, quote, well, that's an interesting cloud. Now, first and foremost, if this was faked, I will say they did a pretty darn good job faking it because it looks pretty legit. It appears to be a very large, although albeit hazy, extremely large planet body seen through the cl cloudy-ish, bluish skies, through, through our atmosphere. And then they show a second image of the same thing, chroma corrected, so that there's a little bit more clarity in it, which is a common thing to do when you're looking at things that are obscured by the sky. But whatever. Um, what... Unfortunately, what I have not been able to uncover, and Ben Noon is looking into, et cetera, et cetera, is whether or not we can find someone, maybe, that actually took a video of the um, U.S. Masters Golf Tournament and caught the actual commentators making that statement. Because there's a bada-bing, bada-boom, and uh, if that be the case, wow. All right. Now, do I have any doubt that there are five to seven large planetary objects moving a solar system, moving through our solar system at this time? Do I have any doubt at all? Absolutely not. None. We could not be experiencing the things that we are experiencing on the earth today unless these things were in fact happening. And I happen to know, yes, I know, that there are people who have dedicated their lives into staring all day long, God bless their sweethearts, uh, at, you know, uh, weather cameras that, and, and, and wildlife cameras that are, in, in, you know, integrated in, 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 uh, in uh, you know, the, the northern, northern, northern parts of Alaska and various places and, and such, and they film these planetary anomalies on a pretty regular basis. So depending on where you are on planet Earth, they, evidently they are much more visible, much more common. But by golly, if this was seen uh, during the United States Masters Golf Tournament and, 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 and the actual uh, commentator made a comment about it, you know, like, wow, that's an interesting cloud. Well, that is a pretty significant event. 
Hallelujah. So anyway, I don't know what's going to come of it. At this point, we weren't able to confirm it. So for those of you who like to debunk, that's fine. Go ahead and keep on debunking uh, until you're blue in the face. That's fine. I, you know, but I, I've, I've had it with debunkers because, you know what, I know what's happening. I know what's going on out there. And if you want to call something a Photoshop, go ahead and call it a Photoshop. I'm not. I'm going to report it anyway because most of the people that say it's a Photoshop don't have no idea whatsoever whether it is or not. They're just saying it. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I said it. It is what it is. And that's a fact. All right. Amen. I've been doing this way too long. 5,000 videos, 5,000 radio shows, untold numbers of guests. And my research is deep, much deeper than most of the guests of the program. And you know what? Yeah. Yes, people do Photoshop stuff. Yes, there is counterintelligence out there. I acknowledge it. The problem is sometimes you can't confirm it. So we'll see what Stephen comes back with. He might find something. He said he's going to talk to whatever, Mike from around the world or whoever it is, and, um, and see what they can come up with. So we'll see what happens. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. This, by the way, is another thing that people would like to debunk, but I can tell you as a fact it is what it is. I happen to know what this is. I have studied it for well over a decade, more than anybody alive on the earth. I guarantee you that my understanding of alien civilizations is bar none superior. And I'm not saying this to be puffed up. I'm just saying it is a fact. Okay, there's probably very few people that understand these things as well as I do, with the exception of perhaps Elena and uh, Brother Robert Vandrius Mitchell and maybe uh, somebody such as, uh, you know, uh, Collier. All right. Um, you know, so anyway, um, that being said, I can tell you. So, so somebody po posted on Twitter. They said a stranger with an abnormal appearance is seen in the courtroom during the Trump trial. At some point, can uh, you can notice how the man's ears and eyes begin to look strange? Now. If you would take the time to go on to Amazon Prime and find a documentary called The Underground. It's called Underground, The Director's Cut. Watch it. It's Phil Schneider, and he will show you a still photograph that he took in a meeting uh, with you know, the people that were in installing the underground bases like Dulce, etc. And he said, this man in the audience is a Nordic alien. Well, guess what? We have a direct match. They have funky-looking eyes. They got funky-looking heads. There was one of these seen before. I have the photo photograph of it, and their ears give them away. They are some funky-looking ears. And this entity was – this person that's, that posted it was like, what is this person? They're, they don't know what it is. They're like, oh, and a stranger with an abnormal appearance is in the courtroom at the Trump trial. And, and you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, the question was raised, you know, for good reason. Um, you know, these entities normally don't get involved in things that aren't of global consequence. And I was like, well, if they were at the Trump trial, that's pretty global. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, and uh, I agree with that. All right, praise God. So to have them, one of them actually attending the actual trial itself, it, well, it speaks volumes. But you have to understand the alien agenda. You have to understand what these entities are. You've got to get those things. And if you don't have that foundation down, you don't know how significant this is. It is very significant. 
All right, praise God. Now I'm going to play just a little bit of this, but I will tell you that the comments in the comment uh, the comment section of this YouTube video um, is um, uh, you know very very uh, noteworthy. People are like going praise God. I mean, I was reading comments where people were saying, you know what? Until the pandemic occurred, I was an atheist, but you know what? I thought things over, and I, now I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I was reading these comments and thinking to myself, holy wow! I never even imagined, but it is is absolutely incredible. Now, in this case, we have, um, and let me see if I can find it. I'll let, for, okay. Yeah, so you remember, um, I don't know, for those of you, some of you may know, some of you may not know, but there's this fellow by the name of JP. He calls his little channel Awaken with JP. He's very well known. He's very funny. He's very cynical. And um, anyway, uh, he's been around for a long time. Well, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and play this. Now, the whole thing is like 26 minutes long, and it's all worth listening to. And as I sat and listened to what he said, I um, was – tears were just rolling down my eyes. I was so happy because this man alone can reach more people than I could ever hope to reach after all the radio shows I've done in 12 years. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I hope for much more of this. All right. So I'm going to play a little bit of this. This is JP. This right Ow. here is one of my eight audio books. Four, three, Skip back. I changed my mind about God. I was wrong. So accordingly in this video, I want to share with you what I used to believe, what I believe now, and what made me change my mind along the way. And also, very importantly, I want to share with you a few thoughts of mine that I have that will help us bring more God not only into our lives, but also the world around us, which seems like it needs a lot more God right now. Because I don't know about you, but living in a world where Satan reigns and you and I and our families have to suffer the consequences doesn't really feel appealing to me. And also, quick disclaimer, this video is not intended to be a comedy video. And if that offends you, pray about it. So what I used to think about God that I now say, yeah, I was wrong about, I used to have a lot of judgment about religion and Christianity, thinking like, ah, it's not bad, but it's like, dude, that's so outdated and like, get with it. Why are you religious when you could be spiritual? And along with that, uh, I, I became very inundated in the spiritual movement. So like spirituality, not religion. Like the evolved thinkers are spiritual, not religious. They're also evolved enough to always have to tell you that they're spiritual, not religious. That was me. And while I was in there, I, I will honestly say I got a lot of benefit from spiritual teachings, like different teachers. All right. So anyway, um, I highly recommend that you listen to the whole thing because it is very moving. He means it. He's not kidding. And uh, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. And so anyway, I praise God that he came to the revelation that he did and that he he's telling everybody, you need to pray more. You need to pray, 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 pray. And I was like thinking to myself, wow, who told him that? Praise Jesus. So anyway, uh, the YouTube YouTube channel is Awaken with JP. That is one word, Awaken with JP. Go to his YouTube channel and look for a uh, video that is entitled, I Changed My Mind About God. And when you find it, it'll, it'll also have dash here's why. But you know what? You will be moved. 
you you will be moved because his testimony is absolutely right on. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now I want to get to the Odin Hedrick stuff, you know, like now. Uh, but I also uh, so I'm looking at some of this some of these audio bites that are going to take a while. So I'm going to blow past these. Uh, there's only one that I'd like to play, but I'm going to hold it off. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, on that note, next one up. All right, um, Igor. Uh, Kirillov, uh, who looks like uh, uh, General Armageddon, but I'm I'm not sure if it is, said that they discovered 240 pathogens of dangerous diseases in the Ukrainian biological laboratories, which I have no doubt is true. I will also tell you that the audio clip that I was going to share with you is Cheryl Atkinson, who uh, was... uh, destroyed. Her career was destroyed. She was telling the truth as a media journalist, and she's explaining to a panel of Senate uh, investigators uh, that uh, the FBI threatened to put child porn on her computers and have them arrested. So uh, it's a great testimony. I might, I may play that for you on the next show, but I want to keep moving because I want to get to Odin. Right, next one up, inside the CEI system for pushing brands uh, to endorse celebrities like this Dylan Mul- Mulvaney or whatever person that has single-handedly destroyed the Bud Light Anheuser-Busch brand. Now, um, all that being said, the CEI system is what's in play here, and that has to do with a rating system or a scoring system that they're using for corporations and whether or not they're playing ball the way that Klaus Schwab wants them to. That's how deep the global satanic crime syndicate has sunk their jaws into the world. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Port of Los Angeles and Long Beach closed due to widespread worker shortages during the contract talks. So they got, you know, people that are upset about the cost of living increases, you know, union people, et cetera, et cetera. So is that going to affect things? Possibly. We'll have to wait and see. There's a lot of people projecting and, you know, predicting that, you know, the financial collapse and a whole lot more is going to make things extremely difficult for us in the months to come. And we shall see. The Bible certainly seems to indicate that. All right. Next one up. Polish uh, member of parliament proposes anti-bug law to require labels on insect containing foods. The very fact that we are reading this is sickening. But I guess I don't really need to say that. I think we've all figured that out. Next one up. Israel strikes Syria after rare rocket attack on the Golan Heights. So we know that things are heating up. I played a lot of clips. Uh, I've read a lot of articles and headlines on the last show. And, yes, things are definitely heating up in the Middle East. Is it the only thing to monitor? Absolutely not. If you listen to some church, some of the, those in churchianity, it, that's all they monitor. And all I can say is, well, unto them, because if they're not looking at the global situation, they are going to miss. And, oh, my, oh, my. I feel bad. I mean, I really do. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. The Jerusalem Post says Iran kickstarts multi-front Middle East war against Israel, according to their analysis. Amen. Another headline says elimination of Israel is on the horizon, according to the Iranian commander. Okay. So we see more and more reports of the Middle Eastern 
essentially the Gog and Magog invasion. But the Gog and Magog invasion also includes the city without walls, which is the United States of Babylon, the great this country. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. But I'm pretty, I'm like 99.999 vinculum percent correct. I believe I'm, I'm not the only one who knows that is a fact. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. AP Newswire reports South Korea, United States, Japan call for support of ban on North Korean workers. And all this is talking about is there, you know, again, it's it's the it's all this pressure that the various countries are trying to gang up on one another to jettison the world into a multi-front World War Three, which. You know, that's what we had in World War II, except nothing will come close to what we're heading into now. All right. Praise God. Another one. Chinese military ready to fight after drills near Taiwan. We talked about that in great detail last week. or I mean, the last show. And it is still happening. Praise God. Next one up. Daily reports. United States uh, is sweating bullets as officials realize that they sent too much ammunition to the Ukraine. That is no new news to this listening audience. And if it is, I'm sorry, but you missed something. All right. Praise God. Next up. Daily also reports United States citizens arrested for spreading Christianity abroad. Again, these things are happening continuously. We can't keep up with all of it. Another headline reads, toxic smoke is spewing out of an inferno at the recycling plant known as a fire hazard, according to some. Flames could last for days. However, uh, there's another report that says that uh, emergency uh, response personnel are telling them that it's highly toxic. They better actively shelter in place and do not touch the debris. So whatever's going on there looks really bad. Might even dwarf the situation in East Palestine, uh, uh, Ohio. All right, next one up. Uh, Francis Mark Macron signals a move away from the United States dominance as China humiliates the uh, the European Union. Again, folks, we're just watching a, a you know it's a show, it's a dance. We're all looking around. The string is in the air, and the kitties are batting at the string. All right, shiny objects. Tupperware stocks burp. Company may shut down. I re- actually read that article, and it's true. So if you want to buy Tupperware, you better hurry up. It looks like they're going totally under, which kind of is a bummer because I really like Tupperware. Next one up. Mass casualty incident declared after explosion at a dairy farm in Dibbitt, Texas, clear, kills 20,000 cattle. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So um, and then, of course, it ends up with it. Finally, a, a report on Generation Zers definitely are evangelizing, but they're not evangelizing Christianity. And I don't think that there's any one of us who have to soul search very far to know exactly what it is that they are evangelizing. And on that note, praise God, we are going to move into the Odin Hetrick testimony, which is what I wish we could have done for the whole show. But we got to keep up with the headlines, unfortunately. All right, praise God. But here comes the, the good part, I think. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's... Oh, wait a minute. What should I play? I don't know. i got to figure something out. Let me see. Pick something out here. No, 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 no. Yeah, let's go for some Esther Mwee. All right, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Hallelujah. Here we go.
I praise God. So we're going to move right into the Odin Hetrick testimony. Hopefully we'll have enough time. I don't know, but I'm going to hit it hard and fast. All right. Praise God. Um, and um, I don't know why, but I'm getting somebody asking me if I'm there um, and whether or not I was done. And I don't know why. But anyway, um, that was my segue into the Odin Hedrick part of the program. And here we go. Now, sometimes I will have some interesting, maybe commentary that I can add to it uh, to kind of beef it up and explain some things as they apply to what my understanding is. Um, and uh, and it, and it should be exciting. It should be very exciting. So very cool stuff. All right. Um, Odin doesn't expound on it because I don't really think he even understood exactly why he was going through the things that he was going through at the time. All right. Which is fine. But he did tell people what he saw. And um, now knowing what we do know, um, I think it adds incredible dimension to, um, uh, you know, understanding to uh, what this means to us in uh, ruling and reigning with Jesus over all of eternity and the kinds of things that we're going to run into in heaven, of course. Praise God. All right, so this is the first clip, and it is entitled The Introduction and Glorified Bodies. It's 2 minutes and 58 seconds long, and let's listen to what he has to say. I may not have any comments on this at all. Let's just go ahead and listen. It's awesome. Praise God. Here we go. Reverend Hedrick was born on May 21, 1922, in Pennsylvania. And when he was 12 years of age, God healed his weak heart. At the age of 16, he gave his life to Jesus. Since then, he has set his heart on going to heaven. And after many years of prayer and seeking God, the Lord has blessed him by sending angels to take him in the Spirit many times to see the city of heaven. The first visit was about 1952. Yes. Since that time, how many times have you visited heaven? Well, I stopped counting at 80. At 80. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're there, you enjoy it. Oh, yes. And you don't want to come back. Don't want to come back, no. This earth doesn't look too good anymore. One night, ten angels appeared around my bed. Now, when I opened my eyes, they were gone. I couldn't understand that. Then when I shut my eyes again to go to sleep, there they were, just like before. Well, later I learned that that was how the Lord opened my spiritual eyes. By having angels appear? Yes, that I could see those angels. Mm -hmm. Well, then, um, after seeing angels for a few months, then three of these angels came, and they didn't talk to me. They talked among themselves and said, let's take this fellow up and show him around heaven. I um, I discuss with people about my soul. looks like me. If my soul would step out of my body, it would look just like my physical body. 
A lot of people, when they go from this earth to that heaven, when they die or so forth, they the first thing they notice is that they're they're still themselves. You know, I'm still me. I'm still here. I have a body. I can think. I can see. I can smell, taste, and touch. And that surprises them very much that they can do that. But you see, the senses are usually thought of as physical senses, but they really belong to the soul. And uh, and the, we take these senses with us when we leave this world, still being able to communicate. Um, yes, the the glorified body. I mean, a spirit body. We'll mm-hmm. say. And the glorified body would be the same. Mm-hmm. It uh, is white, as though light is coming from it. Uh, we have hair on our hands now, you know, and, but then there'd be light. As when the case of Moses was in Mount Sinai, remember, when he came down, he had to cover his face because his face shone with the glory of God. He'd been in the presence of God. He was in the presence of God. And I believe it is because the Spirit of God lives in us and shines out through us. And that, that's what makes our body appear to be white. Right. Amen. And when you listen to the testimony of uh, Howard Storm, you discover that we are, well, of course, we are light beings, um, which, of course, the term glory is light. Um, uh, so um, uh, it's uh it's it's absolutely prof- profound. Okay, praise God. All right, this is the second um, clip, and it's uh, he talks a little bit about our robes and gowns in heaven. Praise God. This is about a minute and ten seconds. Here we go. In heaven, there are three different garments that we wear. The first one is the garment of humility. It is a soft white garment that fits very neatly. Uh, and then over top of that, we wear the robe of righteousness. Uh, these are comparable, incidentally, to the robes that the priest wore when he worshipped, when he served God in the, in the temple. Now, this is a long, shining garment, and this is what is usually described by people who have visions of heaven. And then over top of that, we wear a, a sleeveless coat. looks like a sleeveless coat, and it comes down about just below the knees, and it is, it is set with all kinds of diamonds and rubies and jewels, very beautiful and sparkling. A jeweled garment. And this is called the garment of praise. Mm. And in, in that garment of praise, we, we put on all these garments, make ourselves seven feet tall, and they go into the presence of God to worship. All right, praise God. All right, now I'm I'm not going to come a comment on that. It's pretty straightforward. Now, uh, in this clip, he talks about the outer environment or the suburbs. This, by the way, is what the outer darkness is referring to. Okay, um, and that's just a fact. <laughs> Okay, if you do a uh, proper study of your Bible, which hardly anybody does, um, uh, you will find out that the meaning of the outer darkness just means the shadowy area. It's it's the part of heaven that's the outer environment, the suburbs of heaven, the country mansions where the country mansions are located. It is uh, it is uh, different than Mount Zion, which is the city of God, which is lit up 24 by 7, 365, whatever. There, who knows if there's even that kind of time there. 
But the point is um, because of the glory of God. The glory of God is so unbelievable in the city of God on Mount Zion, which is lift, high and lifted up where the pearly gates are go around and all that, okay, and the crystal river flows over the side of it and goes down and into the outer environments or the suburbs, as he calls them, and let's hear what he has to say about those. And here it goes. When God told Moses to make the tabernacle, he said, see that you make it according to the pattern I showed you in the mount. Well, that pattern was the city of heaven, see? And so when Moses made his tabernacle, it had a large outer court. And inside of that, it had the holy place. Mm-hmm. And inside of that, the most holy place. That's, that's the, the general layout of the whole thing. Can you describe the outer courts, the uh, environment this, this, area? The large outer environs. That could be called suburbs because they're outside of the city walls, mm-hmm. outside the city suburbs and this is where people first go as I understand it whether they die whether they have a vision or whatever they go to this place first it's very much like the earth so that the transition as you learn the next lesson dare not be too heavy (laughs) too strong and so there are trees birds pets that's where the pets are and flowers and fellowship with the people Mountains, lakes? Mountains, yeah, very high mountains, lakes. This is where the topography is very much like the earth. All right, so you heard about the pets. Our pets are going to be there. It is the it's the country area. It's the outer the it's 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 the place it's the the planet that is known as heaven and it is a planet um now is it multi-dimensional i suspect so is it bigger and more incredible than we can ever imagine is the whole realm eternal and glorified you know that whole area of the universe on the other side of you know our containment zone you know on the other side of the orion nebula yes it's amazing um uh and 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 heaven is huge okay so the what you didn't capture there is you know it's loaded with everything from really huge mansions up on the side of mountains uh you know and the further you go out the more they become like you know smaller thomas kincaid beautiful uh homes uh some of them are you know they're different sizes and then you go further out and further out and further out you start to get into the areas of the suburbs where um or the outer environs as he calls it uh which are um smaller you know um christians that you know, didn't understand how important it was to give and seed into the kingdom, uh, you know, that, that lived in stately homes, and but they were still pretty good Christians, but they just didn't really, they spent more time, you know, saving up for their earthly retirement, and they didn't really seed an awful lot into the kingdom. Well, a lot of them will not be in the bigger or nicer Thomas Kincaid uh, country homes. They'll actually be further out. However, I did discover from speaking to Joy, actually, and also in part of the testimony uh, that we may not touch tonight, that 
surprisingly, they they weren't unhappy. According to uh, Odin's uh, one of Odin's daughters, uh, she had chimed in and said that she was uh, that all of the people that were there, regardless of the size of their dwelling places, were very very happy that they were there. Uh, they were very very happy, uh, you know, that they were a part of the kingdom of God, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, the kingdom of heaven. All right, praise God. So, um, you know, it wasn't like they were like going, ah, oh, grumpy, grumpy, you know, man, I wish I'd have done this. You know, it wasn't, it was more, they were just content, very happy, very glorified, very full of Christ, very, you know, and it wasn't, it, there wasn't like a competitive spirit. It didn't exist in that place, which is awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So that was, um, uh, that was uh, the outer environment, environs and the suburbs. And this one is entitled The New Jerusalem Gates and Record Books. It's three minutes and 18 seconds, a little bit longer. And let's listen to this. Praise God. We have uh, described the suburbs of heaven. Now the heavenly city itself, the New Jerusalem, the uh, second part of this, this heaven, is, um, is how large? I, I believe that it is actual size, as the Bible gives, 12,000 furlongs. Now, this is just a little bit short of 1,500 miles. Now, that's a pretty big place. 1,500 miles 15, long? Right. High and wide and deep. Long, however you want to say that. The great cube of the city. Cube, right. Mm-hmm. Just like the most holy place of Moses' tabernacle. Four square. And there are gates around the city. Twelve gates, Right. And the gates, um, the Apostle John talks about them being shut mm-hmm. and uh, not being being open and never shut. And yet they look shut. Uh, and he calls them a pearl. So to get all these things together, mm-hmm. you know, a pearl is white. It's uh, you, you can look into a pearl, and yet you can touch the surface of it. And the white isn't on the surface. That's what it looks like. You approach the gate... You see this light, and you, as you go towards the light, you can see into the light, and you walk right through the light into the city. You're enveloped by the gate. Right. And so the gate is never open, it's never shut. It's just all, you can always walk into it because that's what John means when he says never shut because you can walk right through this. looks like a pearl. The wall of the city looks white too and bright, and the gates are very high. Three gates in each side. And as we come close to the city, we can see the three gates. And there seems to be decoration around the gates, different colored, not exactly like a rainbow, but somehow they're colored. Uh, If I would describe them a certain way, the next minute they'd be a different way because things change, you know. But over the gate, there's a name. One of the twelve tribes of Israel... Their, their names are written over top of the gates. One name, one name for each gate. That's right. And over top of the eastern gate is the name Issachar, one of the, one of the twelve tribes. Inside the gate, it looks like a large hallway. You've probably been in churches with large domes and big hallway. That's sort of what it's like because the gate is 216 feet thick. And that makes a nice long hallway. And then on the sides of the hallway are archways like a third of a circle. They're not sharp like this, just like a third of a circle. And in those 
places are what on earth would be offices. And the, our records are kept. So when we greet the angel at the gate, he is there to welcome us. Is he outside the gate? No, he's inside the gate. Inside the gate. He's inside the gate. And he, uh, he's at the end of the hallway, just before you step into the holy part, the holy place, that part of heaven. All right, praise God. Pretty straightforward, really huge, the city of God, um, which is covered in, uh, to some extent, not a lot, uh, in uh, Hebrews 12.22. Praise God, the city of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now next up is um, number five, and it's angels, greetings, and homecoming. And uh, this is not a long clip, but... uh, Pretty cool. Um, And I might do a show in the future to cover more details about some of these things. Um, I'm not sure. But um, but I I really love uh, the work that Shuri Welch uh, had, you know, and I call it work, but um, her testimony of when she was taken to heaven because it aligns um, beautifully uh, with what Odin was shown has a lot more detail about certain aspects of what Odin is able to share here because he covers so much. All right, next one up, number five, angels, greetings, and homecoming. There, here we go. And he greets you, and uh, there could be other angels there to greet those who are coming in. That's going to be our homecoming. Beautiful experience. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you look forward to, you know, entering the eastern gate. By the way, the reason we go in at the eastern gate is because... The throne of God faces that eastern gate. Well, angels appear to be seven feet tall. They, they seem to always appear to be seven feet tall because they're sent on errands. When God sends an angel on an errand, then they, they take this size of seven feet and they go and do the job. See? Very friendly beings. And they seem to be one of these, our servants in, in service. Now, notice that he said they take on the size of seven feet tall, so they do change. All right, so that explains why there are manifestations of angels that are so so much more large than the seven foot. But the seven foot is the the typical. uh, They tend to be, from what I can tell from the testimonies of many, uh, about, you know, when we see them as a general rule, about seven feet in height. uh, And they do tend to be muscular, good-looking blonde-haired men for whatever reason. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so on that on that note, let's move on to item number or segment number six, the Tree of Life, the Crystal River, and Soul Scars. Really important to take note that when we arrive in heaven, we will have soul scars. These are remembrances of stuff that, uh, you know, we don't want to have anymore. And we have to bathe in the Crystal River to get rid of them. All right, so listen to this. The first thing we see is the tree of life. Now, I used to think this was one tree, but it is a row of trees that contain the fruit alongside of the river of life. But first, I'd like to tell you about a piece of fruit I tasted. It uh, looked sort of like a pear, smooth skin, you know. And it was juicy. When I took a bite out of it, I just couldn't stop the juice from running down my arm and dripping off my elbow. Mm. Juicy. You know, I thought, oh boy, I'm all stained, but... There was no stain. No stain, no. <laughs> and now this fruit grows uh, 
as John says, different fruit every month. Very delicious. And then a river of life. Yes. Just beyond the tree of life and is the river of life. Now, it's called the crystal river or the river of life, whatever you want to call it. Uh, one day, my angel guide said, uh, today we're going to step in the river. I said, oh, but I've got shoes on. Mm. And I looked at my feet. I didn't have any shoes on. <laughs> anyway, we stepped into the river. Now, it's not cold, wet water, but it is exhilarating. You know, it's refreshing. Refreshing. Perhaps as a boy, you stuck your toe in the cold water in the springtime. You know, ooh. <laughs> so it is very, very exhilarating. And so we walked into the river, and it got deeper and deeper until finally the surface of the river was over top of our heads, and we were still breathing. Mm -hmm. And so then I got the understanding that this is the flowing of the Spirit of God. It is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. And, and in heaven when one of the first things we do inside here is to take the people into this river and there the... Well, let me explain it this way. On earth, you know, our sins are washed away in Jesus' blood. Our souls are made clean in Jesus' blood. But when we get to heaven, we still remember these things. Even though our sins are washed away... We remember earthly experiences. We remember that's how we were on earth, you know. And, and God said that these things are going to be wiped away. Well, it's bathing in the river that wipes these memories, scars, we might call them, scars of sin. Even though the sin's washed away, our memory has scars of these things. And, and we keep washing until these scars are washed away. Soul scars. So if you want to do some homework on that, carefully, by the way, be careful out there. Um, you would want to investigate the concept of soul scars. All right, praise God, and they get washed away in the Crystal River. Some of us will spend a lot of time <laughs> in the Crystal River. And, yes, you can go underwater. You can talk to the fish. You can hang out with them. You, you breathe underwater. You don't get wet. When you walk out, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to be dripping wet. No, you're dry, and it's, it's very, very cold. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up is number seven, and it's uh, Golden Streets and Spirals to the Throne and Colors. Here we go. Now, this Golden Street is right next to the Tree of Life. And then the tree of life is right next to the Crystal River. And then the same thing is on the other side. And this street and row of trees and river spirals through this holy place. It spirals from the throne of God. It comes clear down to the eastern gate. Well, let me compare it to a sky. You're used to seeing the sky change colors. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the sunset, never two alike. Mm -hmm. always changing and interesting. So that's what these colors do in heaven. They make colorful sky. But mostly it is gold. These colors are more for decorating like the walls of the temple, uh, other walls around the, the gate, the foundations. These things are have the colors in them. And uh, these five major colors blend together, of course, to make other colors. You might say, well, where's orange? Mm. I don't know, except that orange is the color of some flesh, the color of orange. Maybe why that color is omitted. But then gold is very close to that. Right, and that's the, the sky color. The sky color is usually that color. All right, praise God. Well, I happen to like the color orange, so I'm going to be a little bit 
not happy about that, but that's okay. Um, I'm sure I'm sure I'll be happy about lots of other things that uh, the omission of orange. But I've I've always liked orange because I love the harvest season pumpkins and things like that. But you know, it, it's not just him. I've heard many other testimonies for some reason that I don't know why, but the color orange seems to be there's colors that are close, but not orange like we know it here on earth. I don't know why. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He didn't seem to know why either. All right. Uh, the next one is clip number eight, traveling, flying, speed of thought in chariots. Let's listen to this. Very cool. And by the way, you're only hearing a tidbit. I, I'm just telling you, you're only hearing a tidbit. He's only telling you a teeny weeny little snowflake of the giant, you know, iceberg of information. So this is like one of those testimonies you want to listen to like a lot of times and then listen to other ones and fill in the blanks because it's it's only really foundational and it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Anyway, this is clip number eight, Travel, Fly, Speed of Thought, and Cherry. It is Here possible to move by the speed of thought. You have to go somewhere just like that and you're there, see. But there's another mode which is to move slowly. Uh, you have the sensation of movement, which in itself is delightful. You know, when you ride down a scenic uh, road, you can look out and see the scenery, whereas traveling by thoughts, you wouldn't see this. Because you're there. Because, right, you're, you're there, see. But to travel, and you see what you learn as you travel. It's delightful to learn, see. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you just appear to be floating through space. Like we see birds flying through space. They just seem to float through space. And while we don't have any wings, we just float through space. In, in heaven, they have little chariots, but they're not all this flamboyant. They don't call attention to themselves. They're more like the angels, servants. They're just there to serve the saints. And uh, these are, they can be small, like two-seater, like in the olden days, you take your girlfriend for a ride in a two-seater, you know. Or they can be, look like buses, have a lot of seats. And these vehicles can move on the land or on the river, you know, or through the sky. There's a time when the sky is bright, and this we call day. And then there's a time when the sky is not so bright. Uh, the old folks had a name for it, gloaming, in the, in the evening time. Some people think this is when God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden at the cool of evening. See? Mm -hmm. It's a time when activity seems to slow down. And this uh, day and night, shall we call it? No night in heaven, but light and less light. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hard to put it in English, you know. The shadowy area. Oh, very cool. Thank you, Jesus. Um, next one up is clip number nine about the country mansions, the banquet. This is a very cool testimony. And um, family and also a Jesus visit. All right. And uh, there's some stuff in here that is like hyper cool. All right. Here we go. As I approach my mansion, which I'm going to call my country mansion, there is a rose arbor in front of it with a heart-shaped trellis. You go through this heart-shaped trellis, lovely row of flowers on this side, and the mansion itself sits on about 10 acres, large place. 
And then uh, we go into the vestibule, uh, large, round, about 20 feet round, large place. Inside the front door. Inside the front door, yes, when you enter through the front door. So as you step in this vestibule, to the right there's a door, and in that door is the banquet room. And then to the left is a door, and that door is the fellowship hall or the, di or the uh, living room, as we say on earth. And then in front of you is a spiral stairway that goes up to the other floors. Then on the second floor, there is a huge balcony that overlooks the garden so that you can be up on a balcony and look down into the garden and see what's growing down there. The second floor is music room, piano. Uh, I play a guitar, so I have a guitar. <laughs> Any special kind? Well, yes, it's very special. Inlaid with white mother of pearl, something like the gate of the city we talked about. Great. Very beautiful. Let's talk about a banquet now yes. in, the, uh, in the banquet room. We gather in this room, we gather our friends. Like my father may want to be with his brothers and sisters, but there are some times when I want my father with me and his children, see, plus other friends we'd gather around. Now, I sit at the servant end of the table, and Jesus sits at the head of the table. Jesus is at your banquet. Jesus comes to the banquets, yes. He did on earth. He does in heaven. And we think of Jesus as standing at God's right hand. But you see, Jesus is able to appear any place he wants to. And uh, they bring in a platter. Now, as we said before, most things in heaven are gold. But this is a silver platter. I don't know why. I just noticed it was a silver platter. You know, It's oval shaped like a platter usually is. And on this platter is little things that look like bonbons, little small pieces of food. And it is made, I don't know if you ever tasted uh, almond butter, sure. but uh, it's like almond butter and then they flavor it with dried fruit. Mm -hmm. And it's very tasty. Mm -hmm. And so it's not piled high, just neatly put on, on the tray, the pieces of food. And as it's passed around, each person takes a piece, passes it to the next person, and when one piece is taken, another piece appears in its place. You know, something like the five loaves and two fish? Right, they never ran out. Never ran out. Right. right. Just kept passing them out as right. they went around the table. All right, praise God. So you take you take food off the platter. Jesus is hanging out there with you. You're in a banquet, you know, room or whatever, um, and that that is just too cool. You take the food, and another piece appears. And the next bite is uh, bite number ten. And it, listen to this: little musical beings. Pay attention. Little musical beings. Beings meeting of Jesus, and learning about God's love. Pay close attention. Remember, you're only getting a snowflake of the iceberg. Imagine what it's really like. Here we go. Well, I forgot to mention that there's uh, little angelic creatures or something that make the music. You don't put your cassette in a boombox and push the button. <laughs> no stereos? No stereos. It's just it's little angels that make this music. God living in us. God living in us. <clears throat> that is an intimacy. As the Apostle Paul says, Christ in us, 
and we in Christ. That is an intimacy. And that's what we have here on earth. Yes. But in heaven it's to a greater degree. Yes. It, but we learn that intimacy here. The kind of intimacies that are in heaven, we learn them here. See? And so, fellowship here on earth with Jesus is so vital. Yes. It must be in heaven even more vital yes. and wonderful. Mm-hmm. You've met Jesus in heaven. Oh, yes. Can you describe that meeting or those meetings? Well, let's start with the first one. first one is good. Okay. <clears throat> I was praying and fasting at the time. And I, I really wanted to know what God wanted me to do for my life. You know, what do you want me to do, Lord? Here I am. And then I, I saw Jesus. And uh, he was tall. Mm. And of course, like Daniel, I just fell down on my face. No breath left in me. Were you frightened? No, I wasn't afraid. I was overcome, mm-hmm. you might say, awestruck. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to do something. So I, I just fell out and put my arms around his ankles like this. And my head was like this to the side of his ankle. And I, I, th- I thought I was crying, but I don't know if I was or not. But I was really emotionally stirred up, you know. And then I saw a little tear come out of my right eye. I thought it was a tear. And it dropped like it was going down in a canyon. And I saw it going down, and then I heard the voice of Jesus. He said, that's how much you love me. One drop. That really shook me up. I said, I thought I loved you more than that, Lord. Mm-hmm. He said, you have some things to learn about love. And that was your first meeting. Right. We don't have the right meaning of love on earth. We've got to learn God's love. Now, now you know why I always say, Pray. Ask the Lord to fill you with His love for Him. Tell Jesus you want His help to fall in love with Him. You're not going to do it on your own. And if you listen carefully, it plays a a noteworthy role and where you end up in your relationship with him in heaven. Pray about that. Tell him the truth. Seek your father. Admit you don't love him as much as you should. Because if you think you do, you probably don't. I know I don't love him as much as I ought. I don't think any of us do especially based on this testimony. It's convicting, praise God. But we have a chance now to pray about this and draw in closer, even now. Even now. Praise God. Oh, and did you catch that? Little angelic beings. You know, everybody's like, an angel is this, an angel is that, an angel is Angelic beings. Aliens. Okay. Are they from Earth? Are they indigenous to Earth? No, they're not. So what are they? They are aliens. They are not from Earth. Let's reinvestigate our definitions, shall we? And they were referred to as angelic. Wait, could that mean that there are other species of beings across the universe that are also Angelics? Yaha. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> okay? This is not all that complicated. It's like saying that you're a member of the military. It's a class. It's a class. Now, yes, there are frequently terms that say, you know, angels in heaven are seven foot tall, blonde haired, blah, blah, usually men, all that kind of thing. Yes, that's true. But you heard what he said. Angelic beings. He was not able to identify what they were. See, this is very, very important, especially when you understand who we are in the kingdom of God, which is all of creation. Praise God. All right. So anyway, let's go from there to uh, audio bite number 11, Covenant Companions, Jesus, Friends, Family, and Love. Here we go. And later, uh, I don't know where that took place. I couldn't place it where it was. But we're heaven Right. And uh, so the Lord showed me this very beautiful creature, a uh, very beautiful lady, very, very beautiful feminine being. And uh, he said, what do you think about her? I said, oh boy, she's really something. He said, would you like to have a companion like that? And I said, oh boy, that would be my heart's desire. He's, I said, but you know, it's, I don't have a companion. I mean, she's not my companion, see? Mm-hmm. He said, now you understand how I'd like to be with my companion. Oh, that really made it plain to me. Jesus wants to be with his bride, the church. That's precious to me. Really one of the highlights of my visits to heaven. So the purpose of heaven is for us to be with Christ. Exactly right. Exactly right. I couldn't explain it better myself. It's a fellowship with him. It's a fellowship with Jesus. And right. it will meet our deepest needs. It will, yes, meet our deepest need. I mean, if all we did was enjoy the fellowship of our covenant companion and enjoy the presence of Jesus, if that's all we did, let me tell you, it'd be out of sight. And won't there be companionship with our loved ones who have gone on or oh, yes. we meet there? Yes. Friends? Yes. The Lord? Right. Our, our relatives, loved ones, and even those that we haven't met yet. When we meet them, it's going to be like an old friend. I mean... Being in evangelistic work, you know that when you meet new Christians, mm-hmm. they don't seem strange at all. No, you seem like you've known sisters. them, brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's it's a love with which we love everybody, mm-hmm. and it, it's just a love that carries you along in heaven. All right. So um, to expand on what he said, because uh, I've looked into this significantly, so. He mentions the covenant companion. He mentions the fact that Jesus created. He show, Jesus shows him, and he goes, wow, that's amazing. Uh, you know, in other words, he's saying, you know, yes, she's, she is very attractive to him, etc. And then Jesus expands upon the fact that he would like that kind of a relationship with us. However, what he doesn't go into is what if you continue and you study the work of Odin and you read the books, there, the covenant companion is a form of a reward in heaven where Jesus creates for us a... Covenant, meaning eternal, companion that is perfectly suited for us. 
And you might say, well, I love my husband, I love my wife, yada, yada, blah, blah, that kind of thing. And I believe that God ordained us to be be together and all that kind of stuff. And, you, you know, fine, that's great, that's great, that's great. I'm not, you know, but this is different. And like Odin said, it doesn't mean that you don't still have a, a friendship or kindred spiritship or whatever with your, uh, you know, uh, whoever it was you were married to on earth. If, if if you both go to heaven at the same time, et cetera, this is different. This is a reward. Not everybody gets it. Some do, some don't. A covenant companion. So what the Lord impressed upon my heart. It may be right, it may be in error, it may be sideways a little bit, I don't know. But the if you have watched the movie Cocoon, I don't know if you remember, but the movie Cocoon with these old people that jump over the fence and they go over this, you know, pool and they go inside and they got these little pods and stuff and they swim in there. Well, there's a scene with Glutenberg, okay, um, where he's with this supposedly alien woman and her name is Kitty and they and she says would you like to experience what we call sharing sharing and this light emanates from her and swirls around the room and hits Gutenberg and he goes flying back and it's like you know because if you study Odin's explanation of what it's like to be with the covenant companion it 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 aligns more closely to what Steven Gutenberg experienced in the movie Cocoon way more as a matter of fact there is part of Odin's testimony which I don't think I have on these audio clips where he says that the experience with your covenant companion in heaven makes that which you experience on earth seem like a bad dream I don't know about you but that's that's a reward I think I would like to have praise god and all, and by the way, it's uh, you know. Anyway, you know, the young people seem to think they're going to get gypped when they get to heaven because no, no, there's no gypping. It's all awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So anyway, um, we'll move on to clip number twelve, Temple of Instruction in Children and in Aborted Babies and all that, which is very, very moving. Praise God. Here we go. Then this wall is about. 15 miles thick is a big place. Inside of this wall are a lot of rooms, a lot of activities going on in here. One of those is a temple of instruction where the children are taught and they have angels who instruct them. And as we said a while ago, the angels bring the children up to heaven. This is where they take them, in the temple of instruction. As Jesus said, talking about children, their angels do always behold the face of my Father in heaven. That's mm. what he was talking about. Mm. Their, their instructor angels can see the face of God. Also in this wall... Well, these children are the little, little children that died when yes. they went to heaven? Or, uh... They died in childbirth, they died by accident, or they were aborted. Whatever the case was with children, mm-hmm. they are taken there. Um, and then there are also rooms which we'll call theaters, for lack of a better term. Because the one wall is where the picture, it's sort of like a movie, cinema, or sort of like a TV. And yet it's like a stage because it's three-dimensional. 
but you know it's not the real actors because one of the scenes we see there is actually the life of Christ. As we see what happened in the life of Christ. So the children see. The children see this as part of their instruction. See? And they see how Jesus died on the cross. And this really breaks them up mm-hmm. to see him hanging there on the cross. Because, see, as spirit beings, they can see the demons which were hovering around the cross, which the people on earth didn't see. And they see this. And, of course, that breaks them up. Also, uh, every saint that goes to heaven is required to see this. Because, after all, Jesus dying on a cross is the reason we're here. So there is a feeling of remorse sometimes or sadness in heaven. Yes, strange as it may seem, it's, re- it's required for our training. Mm-hmm. Required for our training. And we, we, we must see that scene. Also, uh, there is a videotape, shall we say, <laughs> video cassette <laughs> of your life and my life. So that's how the records kept. Them, that's right? one way the records are kept. There's one is kept in books and writing, you know. Mm-hmm. But others are kept in actual visual sight. They can see and hear their life. Now, that's enough to make somebody behave, isn't it? Well, certainly. <laughs> the bad parts are cut out. Well, now, see, when Jesus, when Jesus forgives our sins, of course, He really washes them away. Mm-hmm. No trace. So that when you look at your life again, those areas which have, would have been sin are cut out. When we're saved, you know, it's probably from then on when uh, you can see your life. So the um, the little comments that you hear from the little girl in the background, uh, that is um, his teenage daughter. I'm not sure if that was the, the one that I talked to for four hours um, a few years ago. I'm not sure. She has two daughters. But anyway, um, I was very blessed to talk to one of them uh, for about four hours in person. She told me about the uh, fake heaven, you know, that Satan has set up. Which, by the way, is interesting because when you listen to the testimony of those who were taken to the fake heaven, the closeness is amazing. It's amazing. But the differences are deeply troubling. I'll leave it at that without going into detail. All right, praise God. Um, one of the ways you can that you can tell is when the person tells you that certain people are in heaven that you know there's no way they are, and then you know they were taken to the fake heaven. All right, which Satan is set up. Anyway, it's a deception. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, next one up is City Mansions, Two Beings, and First Learn Your Lesson. This is two minutes and 41 seconds of some of the most important audio you will ever hear to understand who we are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all of creation. The kingdom of heaven is heaven. Okay. Now, let's find out what this is all about. What are we being prepared for? Here we go. Two minutes, 41 seconds. So the place I went was beyond description. Suppose I would tell you that a flower stem looks like a plastic drinking straw. I mean, it, it doesn't 
move you, doesn't it? The petals made of diamonds, 14 inches long, which tapered out to a sharp point. And I looked around, and everything was made of crystal. But the light I told you about, the colors reflecting off of these, gave different reflections of color to everything. Beautiful. This is inside the city mansion. This is, this is inside my city mansion, which is in Ezekiel called a chamber. And then I saw two creatures, crystal clear, a masculine being and a feminine being. And I, oh! But then I, I noticed they didn't see me and I relaxed a little bit. And I said, Spirit of God, I don't belong here. Would you take me out of this place? After you learn your lesson, I'll take you out. Mm. So I stuck with it. And uh, I heard a beautiful music. And I looked around, couldn't see any musical instruments, nothing I could recognize as a musical instrument. And I tried to follow the sound, and I came to a little brook, a little streamlet, beautiful water, sparkling blue. Mm -hmm. And I said, it has to be coming from there. I walked over and looked down into that and I, I saw what were rows of jewels and they were positioned so that as the water fell over them it made music. You've seen a music box they go doing, doing <laughs> make music. That's the principle. And I was flabbergasted. Like a wind chime only it's a water chime. Wind chime, yeah, right. That's the idea of it. This is in your, within your chamber. This is in this chamber, which I later understood to be my chamber. I didn't know at the time what it was. I had no idea. See. But uh, then, then these, these two beings that I saw, they looked at me. Boy, did I feel terrible. See, the beautiful light could shine right through them and, and make them beautiful color. But here I was, this opaque, putrid... <laughs> you know, Isaiah said... Lord, I'm not fit to be in this place. And the angel said, wait, wait, I'll get a coal of fire and touch it to your lips. Purify. Purify his lips. And that, that must be the way I, said. I felt, really felt terrible in that place. But later on, I found out that that was my mansion. See? All right. So, um, amongst all the other awesome things, he's taken into a city mansion. He has presented a male and female being, obviously not human. He freaks out and he says, Spirit of God, take me out of this place. I don't belong here. And the Spirit of God says, not until you learn your lesson. What do you suppose that is? Why do you suppose that's required? How big is the universe and how many civilizations are out there? And what is ruling and reigning with Jesus? I think you know now, don't you? Hopefully you do. All right, and the next piece is, um, hold on, let me look. Um, city mansion two being okay. Segment fourteen, and it's about the city mansion, God on the throne, colors, and companionship. And here we go. Let's go to the front of the mansion where it looks out into the area which we've described as the most holy place. 
the place in front of God's throne. The front of it is like a big window, but it's not. Uh, there's no window there. You can step right out. Outside is a rainbow pathway. It's sort of called spiral. It spirals up. You find this description also in Ezekiel about the temple. And uh, you're looking out, you see God on his throne. From your chambers, you can see God. Yes. From all the chambers, you can look out and see God. Now, in the front of the chamber, in what we call the front room, mm -hmm. there's the best I can describe it as a bean bag. I'm glad somebody invented bean bags. So, <laughs> so, could so I could describe this, yes. <laughs> Because, see, you just fall in it and it takes your shape. And there you can just relax and observe the face of God. And uh, the walls have these beautiful green and blue and wine tone tints in them. And it, it like cloud-like that can change, like wallpaper patterns, you know. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful. But let's go out now and let's pretend now we're in the throne of God, standing with God in the throne. All right? We look back at the mansion. And we see that there is a whole row of mansions, chamber mansions. And they reach about two-thirds of the way around so that God on his throne can sit and look at all the people in the mansions, companions in each chamber. Here we are back again, two companions, paradise, presence of God. All right, praise God. Awesome. And let me see, zeroing in, <laughs> my eyes are, I got old eyes now, so I'm looking at tiny text and uh, activities of worship. Worship, Yeah. All right. So praise Jesus. Um, looking at uh, activities of worship, sapphire, sea, saints, and the cup of praise. Now, I will tell you that the cup of praise is actually like an amusement park ride. And and you might think, you know, oh, come on. Well, it is. And the saints will actually jump on, uh, I don't know, uh, we'll, we'll call it supernaturally, they jump onto the cup of praise, and it spins around like a giant, uh, uh, what do they call those things, uh, Ferris wheel, a giant Ferris wheel, and the saints can gather together, and they jump on the Ferris wheel, and they're able to go around and around and around. And it's uh, about the cup of praise where Jesus, where we talk about on the prayer vigil all the time, uh, you know, Father, take this cup from me. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That cup that Jesus referred to has been turned into a kind of like a glorious um, supernatural ride experience in heaven where the saints will gather and they stand in line and they want to jump on it and, um, you know, ride around on this incredible um, supernatural, uh, you know, almost like an amusement park ride. Now, I've heard testimonies of others that have been taken to heaven and said that they were like amusement parks in heaven. So that aligned up very interestingly to this. Um, so that that's very very cool. Um, let me see here. Okay, so um, I, 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 I river of life, garden of fountain, spirit of God, the love, learning in heaven, rewarded for works on earth. Now, the uh, segment number eighteen, rewarded for works on earth. He, what he does is Odin quotes Revelation. I do it all the time. Revelation uh, twenty two. 
where Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their works or their behaviors. Okay? What he does is he explains that what we do here on earth, which I explain all the time on all the shows, is, or not every show, but most of them, um, is that what we do here on earth, it's like an accelerated learning program. So what you do now, but it all has to be out of love or else it profits you nothing, as Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Okay, says you can give your body to be burned. You can do all these things, you know, whatever. And if you don't do it out of love, it profits you nothing. So all these things we're talking about, about, you know, Jesus is a reward, you know, covenant companions, uh, the city mansion. These are all benefits. These are all parts of the benefit packages. These are all parts of inheritance and rewards that are associated with what we do today. But it doesn't have to be grand. Odin was just a tiny little itty-bitty church pastor who played a guitar. He went with his daughters to different churches, and they were called the, you know, uh, something Hetrix, you know, it was like a gospel group, and they would play and, that, and, and sing gospel songs. I mean, we're not talking about highly complicated things here. This wasn't about a giant church. It wasn't about some, you know, huge, you know, you know it's not, and I don't want to name names, but it's not like that. It's the little things. It's the love. It's the touch. It's the prayer. It's the intimacy. These are the things that God rewards us for. It's touching other people's lives. These are the things that are critical for us to understand. Um, and I could I could play each one of the last couple of clips. Uh, levels of glory. Um, th- therein lies a mystery whereby, as he said earlier, the vast majority of saints are brought into the suburbs, the the suburbs or whatever, the outer environments, as he called it. It's the outer darkness, which is really the shadowy areas of heaven. All right. Now, so it's the suburbs, the country mansion area. And further out, uh, Chu Thomas referred to the various farthest most reaches as the valleys which is where, you know, uh, people who uh, committed rape and murder, they were on death row, and, you know, somebody shows up and gets them to give their lives to Jesus. Well, they're not going to, you know, be living on the same street as Paul the Apostle. They're going to be further out, further out. And some of them will be in the valleys. And part of what we are asked to do, not commanded, but asked to do while we're there is to do tasks. And those tasks include going out further and touching people's lives, touching them in heaven so that they can grow and move up, move up. However, the movement when you're in heaven is much slower than your movement is when you're on earth. If you seek God now and you seek, you know, and you you pray and you throw him at your feet, you know, just beg him, you know, beseech our father to teach you how to love him, to just 
proclaim that you love him, to make the statement, there's power in the in life and death in the power of the tongue, and tell him, I love you, I love you, I love you. Just wake up in the morning and raise your hands and praise him and tell him you love him. You love Jesus. You sing to him. You are the wind beneath my wings. You know, I, did you ever know that you're my hero? I sing that to him every time, all morning, every single morning almost, every single morning almost. I sing that to him. Progression, And that progression is critical in understanding the significance in our heavenly rewards and inheritance and how this all translates and who we ultimately, where we land. Because if you land further out in the outer darkness, you have more of a journey you have to make in heaven. If you learn these things now, you put the effort forth now, you fall in love with Jesus now, you fall in love with our Father now, you you can't help but touch other, other people's lives because the, the, the idea of not doing it is not okay with you anymore. You truly become altruistic by the Spirit of God in you. And it, when it becomes who you are, when you can't look at somebody hurting without changing their lives without touching them, when you can't look at somebody standing in front of a counter at a mobile station, counting nickels and dimes, hoping that they can get a quarter of a tank of gas, and when you walk up and say, let me fill your tank, and this is from the Lord Jesus Christ, this is from the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not making it up. There is no human on the earth that will do that. It is from Jesus. When your heart is turned and touched to help people like that, you know that you are acting through the Christ in you, through Jesus, Messiah in you, through the presence of the Holy Spirit is because you are changed. But it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen automatically. So anyway, I wanted to share those things to you in kind of a collection of, uh, you know, uh, commentary at the end of the program, because I could play the various little snippets. I know which ones are really critical and which ones are supplementary. And what I just shared with you is much more vital than listening to the supplementary information that he would give you in the last couple of uh, audio bites. My point is this. Never forget, please, the parable of the uh, you know workers in the vineyard. It may be today the single most important of all the parables because Jesus decides for you, not people around you, not people who's in your family. Nobody forget that. All that all that's going to happen is when you start doing awesome things, when you start spending more time in praise, more time in prayer, more time praying for the lost, more time beseeching our Father to fill you with his love, to fall in love with him, to fall in love with Jesus, to sing him songs, to spend that extra time, to become intimate, and fill yourself with the presence of the love of the Lord so that you exude that and become that on this earth. When that time is spent on because you want, God, you want Jesus in your life. You desire him out of true love. That desire is holy desire. That changes everything. And you have not 
run out of time. And believe you me, Jesus will look at everything. And it's not about how early did you start when you were 10? Did you start when you were 20? Did you start when you were this? I've made huge mistakes. Even after starting the radio show, I've made colossal mistakes. But I still have faith and hope that what I can do, whatever it is, out of the love of Jesus, genuine love of Jesus, because I cannot stand to see someone suffer. And when you get to that place in your walk, Yes, you'll look at what's going on. You'll be like, oh, man, I made the worst decision of my life. Things will happen. It's just the way it is. It's your heart that God loves. It's your heart that God rewards. It's your love of him, your desire to be like Jesus, and it becomes a natural flow of the presence of God in your life and who you become. As you become sanctified in your walk with the Lord. And it is not too late for any of us. Absolutely not too late for any of us. Praise God. I hope that this night has blessed you, motivated you, and please understand I have studied the kingdom of heaven. I have studied the testimonies. I have read books. And believe you me, what you heard tonight is the tip of a teeny-weeny, humongous iceberg of awesome, unbelievable, unspeakable glory. Glory. The word glory is a word you cannot quantify. It is a word that is used to describe the indescribable. And what we have before us for all of eternity is beyond words. And it dwarfs any struggles we're going through now. May you be encouraged by the love of God. May you be encouraged with the truth of the word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. It is now Wednesday, April the 12th. Oh, and I will not think about what I have to get through tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for joining us tonight. And, um, you know, and when I say Lord willing, uh, I'll see you at 7 o'clock on the prayer vigil this weekend. Um, part of that is also my own physical ability and the trials and tribulations that I'm going through. So uh, thank you for praying for me. I hope to see you uh, 7 p.m. Uh, for the prayer vigil, as always, or usually always, um, this Friday night and then, uh, of course, Sunday night. So anyway, and, and we're going to be bringing on, I, I wanted to announce this before we run out of time, Benjamin Baruch will be coming on to speak about World World War III and the things that he has been shown by the Lord uh, uh, in, in a couple of weeks, which will be a very exciting and anointing. Anyway, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. See you Friday night, Lord willing. God bless you.
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.